Welcome to the Fan Freaks Podcast number 93. You're listening to the show where we freak out about our favorite movies, games, comics, and any media in between. This is George, the Bone King, speaking, and I'm joined by... <laughs> it is I, Dr. Rude Ramos, MD. And man, I, I, I don't know how I get so lucky that for two weeks in a row I get to bring a very good friend of mine that I've known for a long time. I'd like to introduce everyone to Jessica Nova. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> Welcome. It's so lovely to be here. Hi, I'm Jessica Nova. Thank you for introducing me and thank you for having me. Yeah, I know we said this was in front of a live audience, but we're the only people in the audience. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. fine. Nova, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Let's see. I am a cosplay and fetish model. I'm a burlesque performer. I co-own My Geek Glory, formerly known as My Geek Goddess, which is an adult cosplay erotic website. And I do way too many things that are that cringeworthy word, content creation. (laughs) (laughs) That is not where I thought Uh, that was going, but that's awesome. No, including you can find me on Twitch. (laughs) Twitch.tv slash MyGeekGlory. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I talked over your tag. Say it one more time. Twitch.tv slash MyGeekGlory. Okay, cool, because now I got to add you and you can add me because yes. I also stream on Twitch. So Excellent. Good. We can uh, all be the same terrifying type of streamer hey, that is one hey, you're not, so, you're not supposed to cross streams. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right, Egon. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, get into our, our recents before we get... Oh, wait. We didn't even talk about what our topic is. Well, so the sorry. reason Jess is uh, Nova's <laughs> here today is because they would probably know a lot about our topic. So why don't you tell people about the topic, Bone King? Oh, I, oh okay. All right. Well, see, our topic is very interesting today. Um, so in when you write a story, you know, there's, there's characters. And these characters, they have love. And when they have love, they have sex. And normally when someone writes that sometimes into a story. Sometimes love isn't even involved. Yes, or and sometimes love isn't even involved. I'm just <laughs> saying that sometimes a story has sex. But more often than not, they kind of don't touch a lot of the same things that you really should uh-huh. when portraying sex, if you know what I mean. So uh, today we're hoping to talk about a question of the week of when sexy is done right. Dig it. Did, uh, did I give a good it. explanation of that? I felt like... Yeah. I'd also like <laughs> to like... add that because we're ever so mature over here at the Fan Freaks podcast, this episode was originally supposed to be episode 69. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're just going to reveal the scenes and how and our failures, sure. Okay. Hey, man, but due to scheduling <laughs> conflicts, it couldn't happen. But nonetheless, we're very happy to bring it to you now. But like Bone King said, let's get into our recents. Why don't you start us off, Bone King? Okay, alrighty. So I could start you off real good. Um, I've been playing a lot of video games, actually. Um, I know, freaking shocker. Mm-hmm. So, it, Dead by Daylight, I'm going to start out because, honestly, that's the biggest news, right? Is Dead by Daylight has a new chapter. Uh, it's based on Resident Evil, and I'm such a freaking Resident Evil shill that I was just so fucking hyped for it um, the entire time for production. And I actually and think then, they did a good job with it. Is it just the one monster? Is it just uh, Nemi? Yes. Uh, so, basically, in this DLC, it is the killer being Nemesis, or as they, as they call him, the Nemesis, which Ooh. is like, really? Really? <laughs> um, no, because they could have just gone the tyrant or something, you know what I mean, to make it more a little ambiguous. But, okay, that's fine. We can have the ghost face as well. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, I know. That's the thing. But And the two survivors, because instead of only one survivor, there are now two survivors with this chapter, and it is cool. Leon and Jill. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I was really confused because I was like totally expecting it to either be Jill and Chris or Leon and Claire. 
right. they just basically took my two favorites from both of those pairs and made them the characters. So I really don't have a problem, except now I don't know who to main. I mean, fuck Leon, but I stand. Uh, or fuck Leon, but I stand for Claire. So I'm I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> wow. Or Jill, not wow. Jill, rather. Sorry. What's wrong with Leon? What did he do to you? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, I've been playing the PTB. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to get more into what happens in it with uh, the dude when he gets on, because I want him to freak out about, like, specific things that Nemesis can do. Um, so moving on from Dead by Daylight, I basically, um, da -da -da -da, I, I started a new game. So there's a game that was given out for free with PSN, uh, PS Plus, I'm sorry. Um, it's called Stranded Deep. Mm. Yeah, uh, basically, like, the, I think the idea of it is, like, someone saw Castaway and was just like, bro, this should totally be a game, and they just made a game on Castaway, so which is totally game? fine. Yeah, it's, a, it's an open-world survival game, but it's, like, entirely based on islands. Think uh, Wind Waker's open world, where it's just giant, vast pools of ocean in between little small islands, and your whole thing is you're just trying to survive going from island to island you know, getting supplies and managing your hunger and thirst. And I know this all sounds very basic, like there's a million survival games that do this, but it's so weird because like, they treat things with the amount of threat that a fucking survival horror game would have. So like, I get onto an island and I'm like, bro, if there are fucking snakes on this island, I'm gonna fucking shit myself. Because you get poisoned, like, all right, you get poisoned by a fucking snake, you have to, you gotta make an antidote, right? But the antidote is only made by finding a specific flower that may not even spawn on your island. Ooh. So it's like, you gotta, you're poisoned, you gotta look around island to island for an antidote before you fucking die. And like, this is not even counting for bleeding effects. Uh, all sorts of shit that makes it genuinely intense, and I'm having a fun time with it. Did I mention it's in Unreal, and the physics are all, like, real? That's dope. Yeah, so I'm having that's a good fun time with that. That's actually related to my, uh, to my news that I'm excited about. Carry on. Oh my, is it someone got shipwrecked? N no. <laughs> is it Maroon 5? Oh, fucking <laughs> Christ. I'm leaving! All right, okay. So um, I, I was, again, modding Street Fighter 4. I mean, there's no shock. If someone knows how to mod it better than I can and help me fix the stupid Jill costume for Cammy, I don't know what's going on, but I can't get it to work. So if someone wants to help me, by all means. Anyway, uh, that's all I got for recents. Uh, who's up next? Uh, I'll go ahead and, uh, and follow us up. Okay. Um, I've actually been playing less Hunt recently because... Oh, no, I don't believe you. I, it, it's true, <laughs> uh, because my time has been occupied by other games. Uh, as we all know, I've I've played Resi 8 a bunch of times already. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also in the third game of the Mass Effect trilogy. Ooh. Ah, uh, yes, my least favorite. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think I prefer the game itself more than two. I just think it's the ending that really drops the ball and makes it the worst in the series. But I think the game itself, I enjoy it more than two. Also, since I mean, that, it's the... That's fair. Since it's the collection, it's got uh, all the DLC, which I actually didn't play some of the DLC in any of my original playthroughs. So I'm actually getting to play some new content, which is great. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That's fun. So, yeah. So right now I'm in game three of my Paragon Shepherd playthrough. I will inevitably finish the trilogy and then start right back at one with my Renegade Shepherd playthrough. Nice. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, that's but, the thing, though. I, I don't even... I went Paragon once and never again. Sorry. What? Okay, that's a top. <laughs> Morality is a topic for a whole other show. No, uh, no, but do you like Mass Effect by chance, or uh, I have only played a little bit, so I don't really have an opinion. 
There you go. That's that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just feel like he was saying that three, the the ending, because everyone was really standoffish about the ending of that game. But Doctor Root, I didn't even get freaking to the ending. I stopped like after the second chapter. So All I don't right. know if that was the case for me. What's what's All up right. next? <laughs> Uh, anyway, and, uh, Misfortune and I have been playing some, uh, have been playing a game together, actually. Ooh. Yeah, so there's a, a game that came out a while ago called, um, A Way Out. hmm Oh, I've it, heard of that. Okay. So, uh, this is another, another game by the same company that makes A Way Out. Uh, it's called It Takes Two. Ooh, that's right. I have seen this a little bit. Yeah, it, it, so the, the idea, and it seems like this company is really focused on, like, couch co-op games, mm-hmm. which are seriously lacking in this generation of games, which is no, awesome, because as someone who likes playing games with his partner, this this is exactly what I'm looking for. As a matter of fact, they're so focused on this, on that model of play, that both A Way Out and It Takes Two, they release it in a way that only one person needs to have a copy of the game. That's mm, awesome. I saw that, yeah. Whether it's on PC, on console, whatever. Basically, I buy the game. I then tell my friend to download the free version of the game that's on the store, which you can only connect to a host player. But regardless, it's free for them. So as long as I own the game, they can play it. It's great. That's the name of the awesome. studio can... Yeah, I feel like I, I opened the doors to a lot of different publishers doing that with different ideas, especially with fighting games. I oh, wish they would. Yeah, that would be amazing. I right? truly wish they would, cause like this reminds because it was the same thing with like Mario Kart on the like Nintendo DS mm-hmm. with Mario Kart on the DS. Yeah, you ghost could just player, connect, yeah. yeah, you could just ghost player exactly. That so was so fun. Was little, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so much hey, fun that I always chose to be the shy guy. By the way, yeah, so. same. <laughs> Uh, Hazel Light Studio is the name of the studio. So really quick, just to run through the premise of this game. uh, You and the other player play May and Cody, who are the mother mother, mother and father of Rose. Rose is uh, a child who clearly has some creative inclinations. As early on in the game, you see she's created two little dolls of her mom and dad. Hmm. Uh, Another su- child named Rose. Hmm. Let's Seems not like start. A common theme here. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's created two little dolls of her mom and dad. And right in the beginning of the game, you find out that mom and dad's relationship isn't great. Hmm. And at one point, Rose actually overhears them talking about their pending divorce. Um, so she kind of escapes to this tool shed. Where she, I don't know, she has like, she's overwhelmed with emotion. She's crying and she says, uh, I wish mommy and daddy would be friends again. And as she cries onto her dolls, something happens. And both Cody and May now exist in the doll version that May had made of them. So the little girl turned them into voodoo dolls? That's kind of fucked up. Basically, yes. Uh, Yeah. And but the, this whole thing comes from because somehow this little girl got her her hands on this book written by an author named Doctor Hakim, and it's like okay. a self help book for couples. Oh my god! It's like how to find how to rekindle your love or something like that. So that's where and this there's all another book from. here, uh, K- Karma Sutra. What what is that next? Okay, to this? gross. <laughs> She's like eight, dude. I mean, uh, she found the bo- her parents' book. I'm not saying she's doing. No, that's it. just it. I don't think she did. I think she just got it like in town somehow. I don't. Oh. They don't really explain what the source of the book. 
She just wanted to fix mommy and daddy, basically. So, Cody and May are turned into these dolls. And their main, quote-unquote, antagonist is the book, which has now come to life, full with really heavy Mexican accent. Oh. Mm -hmm. Why Dr. Hakim has a heavy Mexican accent, I don't know. But he shows up like, you have to find love! And there's like bongos playing in the background. It's, it's, it's a lot. It, um, it is just, it looks, sounds interesting. But I have one but, question for you. If, oh, so go ahead, you go ahead. Hang on. So you play through levels as miniature people. So all the levels are like macro-sized versions of small things. Which is really cool from a level design aspect. And yeah. if I'm going to be honest with you, I think this game could be used in a master class of level design. Because the way it uses the environment, the way it uses scale, the way it uses all of it is so engaging with the level that it's the main reason I've continued playing this game. Even though there's a scene where you have to torture a stuffed elephant. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um. I don't, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but for some reason the parents decide the best way to solve their problem is to literally tear their little girl's best toy into pieces. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're really paying attention to their kid. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really bizarre. Um, but yes, and, but so most of the game is like puzzle solving, and like okay. each each level, quote unquote level or section, the game will give you like a new mechanic. Like one of the first ones you get when you're like in the tool shed is Cody has these nails that he can magnetize to certain uh, surfaces, and then mm -hmm. May has a hammer head. That she can use to hammer certain things with. Uh, okay, well, I'm sorry, because I've played a lot of games that do this, where it's like in each area they give you a new um, yeah. gameplay mechanic. But the question yeah. is, do they bring back gameplay mechanics from previous levels? Nope. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's usually not a good sign. <laughs> no, it's actually it actually works really well. The only negative is like once you're done being the wizard in the night, you're like, fuck, that was cool. I want that back. But then the next yeah, exactly. power. But the next power turns out to also be really cool, so you forget about it really quickly. That's fair. Um, I, I also have another question, because I remember seeing this game when it was first announced. Yes. I forgot where exactly, but it was some uh, game show. And they were the, the way that they showed it was like, oh, yes, you know, come together so that you could reunite for your daughter, or else, you know, suffer the consequences, or maybe find something else. Because I took it as, like, you could, there are multiple endings. And I don't some, know yet. Like, one and... Yeah, I know. I, I I don't know. I was that's actually what I was gonna ask you is if they if you I knew haven't if it got, was going on. I the haven't track gotten or not. to the end yet. But here's the thing. Uh I'm not I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hazel Light Studios throws us for a complete loop. Because for those of you who don't know, and this is a spoiler for a way out, but it, it needs to be talked about here. Though ending for a way out, the final boss fight is really interesting because the final boss fight is the other player. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, uh, that's like Streets of Rage 1. <laughs> kinda, yeah, exactly. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to end this game. I don't know. Honestly, awesome. a part of yeah, a part of me believes that it's not going to be like the obvious happy ending where they're just like, we're so in love again. Well, because think of the key words that they said. I wish my parents were friends again. Yeah, exactly. Not necessarily lovers. Exactly. So, so it, it, but like the game is obviously trying to make it seem like they're going to rekindle their relationship. Like right now, I'm in a part of the game where you're inside of a snow globe that is the first mm -hmm. trip they took together as a family. It's in like Aspen or something. And you're uh, not drowning? <laughs> yes. Well, you're made okay. of clay and wood, so you don't have lungs. So I think you're okay. Oh, okay, okay. 
But uh, yeah, so but regardless, so far this game has been an awesome couch co-op experience, and I'm really excited like t- for Hazel Light Studio to keep this going, to keep pushing for like couch co-op and make it like a viable thing in the current gen. That's awesome. Like I actually would really respect it if they did put multiple endings and like actually put forward that hey, if the relationship isn't working out, it's totally fine to yep. separate on good terms. Like. To have that as an option as well would be very interesting to me. So I yes. Don't know. And that's really it. That's, uh, that's I've just been playing games. I haven't watched anything new this week. Okay. How about you, Nova? Well, what I ha- you been doing recently? I have played one game. Uh, I okay. played some Devour. I don't know if either of you have experimented Devour. with Devour. It's- How have I not heard of what? What is Devour? <laughs> it's on Steam. It's kind of the same concept as Phasmophobia. So you want to play it with a team, but you're investigating your cult members investigating the disappearance of your cult leader. And you go Wait, to the- oh my God. you play as That's a cult awesome. member? Yes. What? <laughs> so there's like four <laughs> different cult members to choose from. They're all very annoying. The animation's not super great. But you're going oh through this house God. with tasks to collect keys, collect goats you have to fucking sacrifice. Um, <laughs> okay. What? Yeah. You have to collect goats and sacrifice them. It's horrible. It is something I actually really hate about the game. But if Is you're the playing full with name your... of the game Devour Burn Her Together? Maybe? Yeah, okay. I'm looking at screens of yeah, it right now, yeah. and like it looks like phasmophobia. I yes. totally see where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah, you oh know, you God. you go in your house. You're trying not to upset her. If you upset her, she's gonna whip your ass. But the nice thing is, you don't immediately die if she gets you. Like there's med packs. You can be saved oh. by your team. Yeah, but it's only right now the one level, and it's pretty hard. We've played, you know, a, a decent round of a little over an hour, and still not beat it but it took us that long to die and was entertaining the whole time which i think is kind of hard to do with games like that but that's awesome that it doesn't just insta kill you like phasmophobia does that it gives it more of like a fairness to it yeah i like that you also don't have to purchase your equipment like the level is set up to be beat it's just you have to understand the puzzle you have to kind of do it in the right order Mm -hmm. or she's gonna kill all your teammates but i like that you can really work together and and have a chance because I feel like in Phasmophobia until you really get money you don't stand a great chance I guess that that is also true and also with Phasmophobia you're saying that like you don't want to piss the ghost off it's like then this game is not for me I almost actively always piss the ghost off yeah. on purpose every time I play Phasmo so. I do too <laughs> and the nice thing is the um you don't you don't upset the ghost as easily as you do in Phasmophobia, so she doesn't care if you say her name. It's just more of you interact with her. So you kind of, you're getting the joy of evading her, which gives kind of a mm-hmm. fun thrill as you and your teammates are going, oh, fuck, she's outside, um, which I think keeps I like the this. energy up. Yeah. It seems less sensitive than the ghost. Like, you said yeah. my name funny. Eh. Like, this feels more like a monster or yes, something. Yes, it is. I like that. I've been pinned on the staircase with her, and you just crouch down, <laughs> and your team can hear you the whole time. So it's super funny to be like, fuck, I'm here, and she's not triggered by your sound, so you can be flipping out if you're streaming or whatever. It's mm-hmm. very fun. So I've, I'm gonna have to look into it. You should. It it's a pretty affordable game, and I think they're gonna drop a new level here shortly. Oh, now is the best time to jump into those. Yeah, if it's like early access. You get it for a price, and then it only gets exactly. more expensive from there. So yep. Yeah. And then I have watched a shit ton of stuff, which is rare for me. Uh, I watched Cruella. Oh, I is haven't seen out? it yet. Yes, yeah. it is out. It's on Disney Plus oh, okay. and in theaters. Uh, I loved it. 
I thought it was super fun. It, it's not a great movie. Okay. <laughs> it's I pro- love that as it's an opening n- yeah. explanation. <laughs> it's not a great movie, but somebody that loves fashion, that loves kind of this fuck you female energy, there's a lot to enjoy on just kind of a, a visual level. But the story has some problems, as you might be okay. able to, to guess that how yeah. do you humanize... I was of a small thing. Yeah. <laughs> they have you humanize a puppy killer? Yeah. And yeah. I, about halfway through... I was afraid I, of that. <laughs> about halfway through, I had to look. And there have been hints from the director that, well, we kind of consider this maybe an alternate universe, which then you can enjoy the movie and go, well, why the fuck are you calling her Cruella? But, um, sure. <laughs> Don't acknowledge the fact where that you liked our villains and we want to make them everything they're not. Yeah. And... See, that, that, that is yeah. a little disappointing for me because I was really hoping that Disney was going to actually take a chance here and <laughs> write an actual villain story. I'm sorry. You just said Disney taking a chance. I, what? Look, all right. I know. <laughs> I get it. But I was hopeful. Like I, I was I, I was hopeful that this would be that project. And I'm a little disappointed it wasn't. There's I mean, a, to be fair, that one Star Wars movie is also another chance. Sorry, no, but go no, ahead. No, you're fine. There's a lot of overacting in this movie, but it all kind of works once you just settle in and go, it's a live-action Disney movie. It's a little yeah. campy. They say her name a million freaking times, which is kind of hilarious mm-hmm. to keep track of. Okay. <laughs> they just like to say it. Yeah. Like to hear themselves they do. say it, you know? And then they have her say Psycho about ten times throughout the movie. And it was in the trailer, so kind of spoiler there. She says it a lot. Those Joker-esque <laughs> trailers. Yes. But visually, a lot of fun. If you like fashion, definitely watch it. And uh, it's it's a silly little romp, I think. Um, I have, Nova, I have one Is question. There, oh, oh, I got a question, and so do you. Yes. Go ahead. You, do, you go first, James. Is there a modernized remix of the Cruella DeVille theme song somewhere in the movie? Because I feel like that's a... In the cre- at the end credits, Florence and the Machine do a cover of it. Oh wait, that's dope! It's uh-huh. Florence and the Machine. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's oh. pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, it's not in the movie, but it's still pretty cool. I mean, yeah. It's in the <laughs> and you that's do you, you get to hear a little of the original. You know, the another spoiler, mm-hmm. Roger. You'll hear the start to play the Cruella Deville that you recognize from the original cartoon. Oh, so of that's course. A good I knew one. they had to put it in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, my quick question is, because with, with all these Disney remakes, my one level, well, I have a couple of gripes, but one of my major gripes is that it's like, they love this muted color palette. Were they able to go colorful on this one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, I'm going to take that as a... <laughs> no, they keep a pretty muted London, sad London color palette with their main colors being black, white, and red. So you do yeah. have a lot of beautiful scenes, but... The color palette definitely, like, you know, you'll have these greens, but they're more of an olive tone, or there's just a bit of a somber color through the whole thing. I never understood that. If you're trying to make, like, Disney cartoons mm-hmm. live action, like, just because it's live action doesn't mean it can't be colorful, but, you know, whatever. That's that's that. I also watched something that was not quite as fun, but definitely a better and more entertaining and wild ride was the Bo Burnham special Inside that's on <gasps> Netflix. It's so freaking good I fucking love bo burnham sorry God. <laughs> it is okay, so out i did watch that also yeah what did you think so, <laughs> I, I watched it because like the review i saw because so, some people i saw it posted on like reddit or something that where people were like 
So it's definitely different, and it's not very funny. It's really depressing. But I would like to say I laughed through most of it. Yeah, I laughed, um, cried, and it hit me in my uh-huh. soul real hard. It hit so, real hard. So, I mean, I've been a pretty big Bo Burnham fan, and the last show was also kind of real, and there were a lot mm-hmm. of moments that weren't funny in words, yeah. words, words. This is so more I, I'm so. imagining it's a follow-up to that, yeah. This is more so because this is him alone by himself in a locked ro- in a room during quarantine, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just him, mm-hmm. his camera, his laptop. That's it. There's no you know, crew, we, nothing. It's kind of that's kind of cyclical. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how we started. Exactly. Sorry, it's Jess. So interesting. Go ahead. You're fine. It's it's fucking beautiful. It, everything about it, the artistry, the uh, to put it this way, a friend recommended it to me. I immediately watched it, and we were on the phone for about four hours, just going through yeah, it, dude. pulling <laughs> it apart. It just. And then I've watched it twice after that, you know, and not wow. not really as background noise. Like it catches my attention, I think, because it it connects so well as somebody that during the panini <laughs> um, dove <laughs> full into content creation. And that's a lot of what is influencing this is relevancy mm-hmm. and the being trapped in your mind and not really wanting to create this, but also feeling that you have to. So even the struggle of him setting his own lights. I could relate yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> just no. It, like there was wild. there's one point there where he like I I more than once during this special mm-hmm. I was so uh, immersed and engrossed that I found myself talking to Bo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is a little nuts, but like there there's one particular point where he's where he met, where he actually asked, "Do you have me on as background noise?" And, like, I found myself actually saying, it's like, no, I'm listening. Like, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm here, Bo. I'm here. I, you have my ear. Like, it's, 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 it's Notice really Notice me, engaging. senpai, please. It no, was, like, it's. It was so humanizing. And, you and you know, you it was less of a notice me, senpai, and a, oh, man, you're not alone. I wish I could show yeah. you you're not alone. Mm. And that okay. was hard. Yeah, I think. I know I know it impacts more than artists seeing it, but I think artists watching it felt a very real type of scene, you know, and not mm-hmm. just artists, but digital artists. Anybody that is in the limelight in that way, you, you know, still needing to do this task that almost feels stupid. You know, your art mm-hmm. during especially mm-hmm. during last year didn't feel important, but oh, especially yeah. over time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's beautiful. If you haven't watched it, you've you very much should. <laughs> So I, I actually haven't seen the mm-hmm. newest one because w- I'm a huge Bo Burnham fan. Mm-hmm. I rewatch Words, 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 Bo for show, like the whole fucking, his whole lineup. And I, like, it sounds like he just took his song Art is Dead and that's like the main thematic point of this next one because he just felt I like mean, the message wasn't gone out enough. Maybe. But th- this hmm. is, this really is something that like, it, it, it comes from a dark place for him. But it also spe- like it, it, it's something. It's a common theme you see with people who are like, who have darkness in their souls as they exude a lot of light. Uh, mm, and yes, that's, I that's- also play Kingdom Hearts. Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, no, and, and I think this this definitely came, comes from a place like that where, like, despite what his feelings, there's a part of him that innately felt the need to be funny for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that you know he's feeling so down, and there's a lot of moments in that show, like, the, the, but the thing is, there were moments in this show that were li- like meant to be very depressing, and I couldn't help but laugh. Mm-hmm. 
because laughter is a way that you show commiseration. It's a mm-hmm. way that you show like understanding. So I was Coping. here laughing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it, it it was it was really good. But uh actually Leave it to Nova, if I may, since that just reminded me of recents that I forget, which is a whole other uh staple of this show. Because mm-hmm. I forget. Yeah, them you have quite to wait often. till the end of the show to do yeah, that. Exactly. I also have a new book. Uh it's a book called The Art of the Geek Goddess. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ooh. Really? It, 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 it's weirdly topical here. Uh, yeah. What it, first <laughs> off, I, I'd like to say it's, I really didn't know when, so for full transparency here, Nova here sent me a copy of her new book. Uh, and couldn't keep I, the charade up for another second. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not doing that. Uh, and I was not expecting such a finely polished coffee table book. Oh, good. Uh, nice. really. The 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 cover quality is great. Colors look great. It doesn't like it's not super fingerprinty, which I fucking hate. Uh, it looks it, the the out the immediate presentation of this is phenomenal. Thank you. Uh, to to uh, summarize uh, what it is, <laughs> it's 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 a book of naked ladies in cosplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really awesome. what it comes down to. Uh, and I mean, there's I'm not gonna review much about that because <laughs> it's, it's 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 naked ladies in in, in various states of undress. Uh, I mean, is it well shot? What do the compositions look like? You know, well, these are the we'll things there. that go into that. You know, sure, but yes, it is well shot. It is absolutely well shot. <laughs> it, 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 but that has been a staple of the content Nova has produced for most of her career in this industry. Um, that being said, I, I want to start with my one critique that yes. I have. Yes. Uh, so, for those of you who don't know, I actually met Nova because she and I were both part of a different adult cosplaying website. <laughs> um, so, as a result... Well, A, a weird thing for me in particular in this book is this book has a lot of my really good friends naked in it. <laughs> probably <laughs> Which is stu- really funny. Probably stuff you haven't necessarily seen, too, because it's no. you know, just amassed over the years. Yeah, uh, which is really funny. It's, so it's really funny to look at, hey, that's, that's like my friend. Uh, so from a personal point, I had to kind of separate myself there. Uh, but I don't know. I kind of feel like it's inevitable that I'm going to pick up a book of naked dudes and Adrian's going to be in there. Like, I just know it's going to happen one day. I mean, you don't even need to pick up a book. You can just ask him. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you could uh, just ask him, yeah. Um, but, so for me, the nudity aspect of this book doesn't have as much of a draw as it might have for other people. A, mm-hmm. because I've seen, a, I've seen at least more than one of the people in this book naked in real life. Um, and also nudity isn't like a thirst trap for me. Like nudity's nice, but it's not what I'm here for. Uh, mm. I wish the book had more writing. Yeah, I wish the yeah. book he had goes a for little... the articles. You see, honestly, like I know that's like a like a Playboy joke, but yeah, honestly, I wish there were a little more from some of the girls. Yeah, well, I, hopefully this will make you happy then when we launch our second kickstarter which just got approved today there will be one of our stretch goals that will be an online zine because we want to include more of the girl you know of the of all the deities um 
writing and and their stories and things. So I'm glad that that's something you would be looking forward to. Yeah, that, that, for me personally, I would love like like yeah, that sounds awesome. I would love some more like behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Some more yeah. like what does the set look like while they're shooting? You know? Yeah. Well, even from a like a like a standpoint with them, I'm sure they have their own social medias and they're all influencers in their own right. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good way to just find more personalities out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that because that is one of the things we struggle with because our entire goal with the site has always been to not necessarily have the most perfect you know, Miku. It's we want to show you Toksuki <laughs> and Toksuki's love of this character. So this is Toksuki as Miku. And yeah, it right. adds that quality that, you know, our deities are real people. And so I like that, you know, that that vibe is already there and you want more of that content. I, yes. I had brainstormed a couple of pages that would be a photo from the set and then a photo that's outside the set. So you would see how the lights are set up. You would see this yes. and you would have information like that. So I'm glad that would be interesting. Yeah, I, I think it would be. I think. And I even think this is true for, like, the average consumer of this media. Mm-hmm. Because there is plenty of cheesecake in here. Like, there's plenty of, like, beautiful to look at. There's mm-hmm. plenty of sexy to look at. But well, also like, remember this demographic buys a shit ton of art books and concept works in the first place for half of yeah. their favorite games to begin yeah. with. So, why not? But, like, in between the thirst, I'm almost everyone would want to come up for air and see something to break that up. And I think that would be a great opportunity for that. No, I love Uh, that. I'm glad to hear that. And this is more of a, of a review of uh, my geek glory as a whole Mm -hmm. and just what you, what you, what you've always uh, 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 sought out to do. But this book uh, really presents it in a package that you can hold in your hand. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Presents it in a media you can hold in your hand, and that's that there is every body shape and skin color in this book, and it's awesome. awesome. It's it. fantastic because I like this, me a good encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is what like cosplayers look like. That's not to say that cosplayers don't look like supermodels, because there are cosplayers who look like supermodels, and a few of them are in this book. But there are also cosplayers who look like, like they they, they look like the person, the people you know, the people you go to. Yeah. Well, the people in this book are the people you go to conventions with. That's how I know all you fucks. Is <laughs> we, we all absolutely. eventually. So like, and it's like you see you, undeniably see that it throughout this book, and that's probably like, its prominent feature is that it is a great way to showcase that. It's that you um, can you can have real people with what I can. I mean, it's either minimal editing or some of the best editing I've seen. <laughs> because, go ahead. No, I was just laughing. It's definitely it's all just kind of cleanup. Like nobody should yeah. ever look at the book and feel like they don't look like themselves. So what you yeah. see is you know if somebody had a little zit here or a little you know they want a tattoo removed. But for for the most part, you are seeing minimal editing and. You're you're seeing them, you know. You're seeing the yeah, real people. airbrush light. Yeah. Yes. Um, Nova, if I may ask, I'm so sorry, but Nova, I, I have a very burning question, and it sucks because I I'm uh, part of this the Resident Evil fan base. Yeah. And right now, there's a current obsession with a certain character that I'm sure you've heard of. <laughs> I do. Um, 
<laughs> I'm just curious, like, how, like, I think I know how big the thirst is for this character, but I really don't know, like, if anyone's actually asking for commissions for characters, like, for, for cosplayers to dress up like her and do the whole nine yards. How popular is she in your world right now? So, very, very popular to the point <laughs> I had a fan, uh, my fan Chris, he's amazing, drop... Uh, roughly a thousand dollars on a commissioned cosplay of her for me, so I will I, it. I will have that on the website and potentially in our next book or very likely the book after that because we're not stopping, baby. Books for everybody. Well, you just mentioned that Dumitres <laughs> is going to be in your book. You realize that pre-orders are just going to skyrocket. Good. Right now, right? Yeah, that's why we're launching <laughs> the Kickstarter. <Just> <laughs> Headliner, we have the tall vampire. Yes, come vampire here. Mommy. Come step check on, out. Step vampire on mommy. Step on me. But yeah, uh, and again, going through the book, uh, mm -hmm. the inside is just as beautifully put, is well put together as the outside. Uh, mm -hmm. The print quality is great. Colors look great. Saturation, contrast, that's all fantastic. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... If, if you want to see like naked ladies in cosplay, here's the book for you. <laughs> well, I definitely do. And if you want to send me the link, I'll be sure to share it on the show notes as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I was about to say, uh, it's mygeekglory.bigcartel.com, and I will send it to you so that you have that. And then we will have the yep, Kickstarter and, um, on all our social media, which I'll throw all that out to you later. Yeah. If I may ask, is there any chance of a, a spin-off series of, I don't know, Barra Bros or something? I don't know. So, just, that's the just, interesting so, thing. Wait, no, so, some background for you. Uh, George here uh, is, uh, I, I lovingly call him the bear trap. That is correct. <laughs> he has a type. Uh, Perfect. Dad Hunter, I don't know. Oh, I love Dad. I love Harry that. Hunter. So Shelby Chaser, I think that's the classic. Go ahead. What? When we when we first started, we started as My Geek Goddess, and last year we rebranded as My Geek Glory because we didn't want to only be presenting fem-bodied, female-identifying oh. nerds. So the art of the Geek Goddess will only be that will be the only volume titled that. The next one will be the art of the uh, the art of um, the glorious Glory? geek. Oh, wow. great. There you go. yeah. So and it will include. Uh, more body types. You know, we will have fem bodied, mass bodied, non binary identifying. You know, we want everybody to find a home Ooh. because we feel we went with geek because it felt diverse. It felt like a home for anybody that wanted to identify that way. And that's, we want to represent the diversity even more in the next volume. So, yeah, awesome. there will be some dad hunting for you in the next book. <laughs> Just throwing in maybe a Barry Burton. I yeah, don't know. You, you, know. you actually will, would probably love some of our new models that are popping up. Awesome. <laughs> Freaking glad to hear yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll be sure to put a link out in the show notes so everyone Thank can pick you. up their copy. I, I want to extend uh, just a notice here in case there's an expectation from a few of your boners here. Uh, Tara... <laughs> I'm not in that book. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, Tara could just make a commission. Like, you don't know. We don't and, know yet. And if, I, if we're being fair, I did ask. You did. It's, it's absolutely true. That, that is that is sorry, that's a true Tara. friend, anyway, let me tell you. I so tried. let's go into the news. Uh, news? Who wants to start? I got very light, light news. Does anyone else have lighter news? I have light news as well, but um, I could start. Yeah. Okay. Start us off. Uh, what do you guys think about? I think it was uh, May twenty fourth ish. They officially announced Hocus Pocus two. 
Bette Midler, yes. Sarah Jessica Parker, and um, I can't remember yes. the actress that plays Mary. Also, they oh. announced on their Twitters, yes, it's happening. Disney did an actual post. How do you feel? Do you care? <laughs> um, it, It's kind of like how you brought up the Disney sequels. You know, it's just kind of like it's going to be an hour and a half of them sort of playing with nostalgia. And yep. that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's probably not what got me to watch Hocus Pocus in the first place. But I don't know. Kathy yeah. and Jimmy, by the way. Thank you. Oh, that's right. Thank that you. Um, so here's my thing. I feel like uh, this is, I, I'm part of several, Di- I'm a Disney fan. I really am. I'm part of several Disney communities on Facebook and Reddit. Uh, and I feel like I have a less cynical view of remakes and sequels that a lot of people seem to. A lot okay. of people seem to have this hashtag not my hocus pocus mentality about uh. things. Um, yeah, the Mouseketeer over here is not as negative, okay? Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I am innately aware that these remakes, most of these, while they're clearly trying to play for my nostalgia, a lot of them are also not for me, mm-hmm. meaning I'm mm-hmm. not a kid. Yeah. These are, these are being made for kids today. Because at the end of the day, those kids are the ones bringing their parents to the theme park. Movie tickets are nice and all, but what Disney really cares about is the kids dragging their parents to the theme parks to make them some money. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, because my defense on that is because I feel as though they don't really... Because if you go back to the original movies like Lion King and Aladdin, Uh those are for kids, but they appeal to both adults and kids because of the, the production and how much effort went into that. Whereas the new movies are designed for people who have seen the previous ones or who grew up with those. So they're meant for adults, but they don't really have the same themes or fun in them because it's only just sort of like do you remember this now it's mature and modern and that's not why we liked it in the first place yeah doesn't always end up bad but it does happen that way i think that's the case sometimes and those are definitely the worst examples but i don't think that's always the case and it's clearly trying to refresh their ip uh that being said for hocus pocus in particular uh, that's something else too really quick because there's a lot of like that narrative of like oh it's ruining hocus pocus and N- no, it- it's not. No. A new version of something does not ruin the original version of it. Like, you still had Hocus Pocus 1. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to see the remake, don't go see it. Sure. That, that is it. an absolutely good point. I just don't understand why they did Hocus Pocus and not Halloween Town, but whatever. I guess that's fine. Oh, do you want to have this uh, this, co- this conversation right now? <laughs> I like Halloween Town, okay? Whatever. And, yeah, but look, like I recently saw like a Facebook post of like six of these Halloween movies. If you had to get rid of one, oh, which yeah, one would it be? Halloween Town was the immediate one to remove from that list. <laughs> Halloween Town is nice, but it's not replacing Beetlejuice, Nightmare Before Christmas, or Hocus Pocus, my guy. Anyway. Well, not the first two, but go ahead. Um, Yeah, so I, I'm... With all of these remakes, I go into it tentatively optimistic. That's fair. And hmm. and the fact that it's all of the original cast, like it's Bette Midler, man. Like, how is it going to be bad? If they give uh, Bette Midler shitty lines that nah, are just meant to make you no, play off you nostalgia the whole time, you don't time tell Bette Midler that. what to say. Let's let's be absolutely yeah. clear here. If Bette I Midler gets fair. a shitty line, Bette Midler changes the script. Like that's how that goes. Uh, so I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see them all. I'm I'm especially excited to see how they modernize. Um, shit. Uh, Nova, help me out. Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, Sarah. Sarah, yeah. The horse joke. Uh, the what? How they modernize the Sarah Jessica Parker horse joke that's been in like every single thing 
because no, of Edwin. No, 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 not that. Just how they modernize <laughs> her character. Because I'm because her character was definitely presented as like a very stereotypical like ditzy blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. I'm really curious to see like how they update that. That's gonna be, I yeah. think it's gonna be interesting. She, she can't still be a ditzy blonde? I think she can, but like they, they definitely played the ditzy as dumb. And I, I, I don't, I'm confused because I thought she was just dumb. Like that's her character. But I don't like I don't think that needs to be the case. Like she's like a, a several hundred year old sorceress. She can but be ditzy like the, and still be intelligent. Yeah. But the whole Three Stooges shtick, you know what I mean? Like one's the conniving smart one, one is yeah. more based on this personality. Yeah. And I'm saying I hope they subvert those expectations. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> I think my biggest concern is I don't want them to feel pressured to overly de-age these actresses. Yes. You know, yes. no matter how you feel about the sequel, like let's let's allow them to be the age that they are. You know, a, you know, still make them look good. Sometimes Marvel does shit. It looks great. I'm not worried about the technology. I just don't want an unrealistic expectation put on these yeah. actresses that ends up looking uh, uncanny and weird and Aren't they witches? They are. Aren't witches. witches supposed to be like, like have like uh, wrinkles and stuff? Like they're witches. Exactly. Yeah, well, I think that's but fine. Like, yeah, but the whole crux of the first movie uh-huh. was that they were absorbing souls to maintain their youth and beauty. Like, so they haven't drank in a while. I don't right. know. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> there, there's a perfectly good way to explain yeah, their a, their a, their age. And yeah. just for the record. All three of these women have actually aged really well. Yes. Like the fact that this movie is happening like 30 years later and a lot of them like look fine, like great for their like mm-hmm. for their age. I think it's going to work exactly out now. great for this movie. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I kind of hope it comes out around October, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't even think it's at that stage yet. Like they've only just like made the announcement that it's happening. I don't, it hasn't gone through production or anything yet. I'm really curious. I'm gonna look up when did Halloween Town come out? Because if it's not October, I will genuinely be impressed. Like no, it was it, when Halloween Town came out. It was October. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> fine, fine. What I'm hoping most about it is one of the pinnacle things for me with Hocus Pocus is the entire movie feels like Halloween. The setting, yes. the <laughs> set dressing, the color tones, and I hope that even if they give us kind of a story that isn't for us and maybe we don't connect to or maybe we don't even like. I would appreciate for a younger audience that that vibe still be there because it was monumental yes. to me and my love for Halloween. So even if the movie's not for me, I hope it achieves something lovely for the intended audience. That's entirely fair, but I'm just going to tell you, you can, tire, you can just take a screenshot of Hocus Pocus and reduce the exposure and maybe turn on the saturation and there's your new movie. <laughs> <laughs> Color palettes. Go ahead. Uh, my, the one thing I definitely want from that movie, just okay. So for those of you who listen to the podcast, uh, I have an obsession with one actor. His name is Doug Jones. He oh, is my favorite yes. creature boy, and he plays Billy Butcherson in the original uh, Hocus Pocus. And I would love for a Billy Butcherson comeback. That'd be great. I sat uh, w- with him at a convention. He's lovely. Oh, I believe it, man. I'm so <laughs> jealous. I truly like he's he's one of my favorite people mm-hmm. in like Hollywood just because like his ability to act with his whole fucking body yeah. is awesome. For those of you who don't know, he's played Abe Sapien in the uh well Abe Sapien and several of the creatures in the Hellboy movies. He is all the creatures pretty much in Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Uh he plays Saru in Star Trek Discovery. Uh lots of shit. He's just uh, he's he is the 
Like him and uh, oh my god, Gollum, uh, actor's oh, name. Uh, oh, Andy oh, Serkis. God. Andy yeah, Andy Serkis. Thank you. Yeah. Like him and Andy Serkis right now have like a lock on the creature in your movie. Like that's it's one of them. It, has, it should be anyway. They're awesome. So yeah, I, I want to see him come awesome. back as Billy Butcherson. Yeah. Because at the at the end of the movie, he just like goes back into his grave, right? Yeah, he wanders around, yeah. goes to bed. Yeah. He's so done. I, I, no. I, I, I think he could definitely come back. But anyway, what else you got, Nova? Oh, uh, let's see. Oh, the Sailor Moon movie hit Netflix today. The first Wait, two. what? Uh-huh. The new one oh. from Japan. So it covers the Dead Moon Circus saga. I have not finished it. I, I got through half of it prior to us getting together. Okay. Uh, uh, that's hmm. something that Miss Fortune and I are going to watch together because she loves Sailor Moon. Yeah, we won't talk spoilers at all. It's very, it's it's great. If you're a fan, I think you will absolutely love it. It's very true to taking the original style of animation that we love, taking what worked from from Crystal, and making it the absolute best it's ever been. It's it's truly gorgeous. But good, there, I, I like how it's adding on it though. Sorry, yeah, oh no, there are some problems. So once you've watched it, I would love <laughs> to discuss some of the stuff with you. There's okay. uh, just kind of what you were talking about with updating where maybe they could have grown a character. Maybe they didn't have to bring in some stuff that, while it is true yeah. to the source materials, is a little tone deaf. Right. Um, so that was my complaint there. Moon or like... no, yeah, cause some of the stuff with her, you know, some of the stuff that's always been in Sailor Moon that you go, yikes, we don't have to have this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I kind of hoped they would have taken out of it because it's a little prevalent in this saga anyway. But other than that, mm. I'm very much enjoying the okay. movie. It's fun. <laughs> I, I I will say though, my favorite thing. I I didn't watch a lot of Sailor Moon, so I'm mm-hmm. I just dip my toes in and that's it. But like I from what I saw, Usagi is possibly the most realistic portrayal of a, of a teenage girl I've yeah. seen in an anime. <laughs> so I really did like that. She's yeah. got her like a personality on her that makes her very unique from other um, shonen female protags. Yeah, is that a shonen? Okay, yeah. Is it? I guess. I, I think don't know. So. I don't know. Because shonen, it, I think, means comics for boys, right? Or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, she would be shoujo, I, wouldn't she? Yes. It had, the, it had the same format, so I guess I just, like, you know, incorporated the two. But anyway, I, I love her personality. Yeah, she's a lot that's of fun. Awesome. So that's out today. Yes, that came out today. And then the it will also do cover the stars saga, but probably not till maybe the end of the year. I don't know that Japan has even had those movies released yet, but that's the new mm. format. Okay. Keep it up in the air as much as you can with anime. Yeah, don't, don't <laughs> give set endings because then that can't let you do other things. Exactly. <laughs> and then the last little bit of news I had was uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the Powerpuff Girls live action that CW was doing. Oh. <laughs> yes, we've mentioned it on the show. Oh, good. Uh-huh. And the fact that they've totally scrapped it and they're going right back to the drawing board and we won't even get that version. They're going to start all yeah. over. Did you read that script? Oh, my did- God, I did. <laughs> oh, my God. Blossom it's threatening so bubbles with her nudes, dude. What? God. Did you read that bit? No. Yeah, at some point, apparently, somehow in the script, whether as a joke or not, Bubbles threatens, or but Blossom threatens to put uh, Bubbles' nudes on the internet. Yeah, I what? There's, there's some context to that, because they do it as a joke, and it's not a funny joke, mind you, but they do it as a joke to be like, uh, Bubbles, wake up, I'll, or else I'll leak your nudes online. And she goes, yeah. huh, what? And she goes, well, it worked on you once. It's full of weirdly, like, but That's edgy not a funny joke. Like, yeah. that. like that's, it's that's, not funny. That's shitty. 
Yeah. It is. What the fuck and were they thinking? <laughs> Professor Utonium is like this really abusive person who's like controlling them and making them do public appearance. It feels like Zack Snyder's like yeah. Powerpuff Girls, <laughs> and I'm totally not here for it. Yeah. Yeah, which is a shame because I I really like the actresses that are playing the girls. Yeah. Um, you will notice but, everything we're sh- we're shitting on has nothing to do with the actresses. It's oh, all pre-production. Absolutely, <laughs> but they're gonna get tied up in it regardless. Yeah, like, that's true. I, Very true. Like so far, everything about this seems like it's going to be a fucking disaster. God. Well, I'm glad that's why they canceled it. Yeah. Or at I, least no. Or well, yeah, it. took it back to to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the smartest route. I honestly would like to see. I don't know. It felt like they were being. They thought they were being edgy, but every choice they were making character-wise was very predictable and very pedestrian, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. more creative ways they could have tackled it if they wanted to be edgy and not just, I don't know, it looked like some kind of emo fan fiction for the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. I'm not it's interested. something you'd read mid-2000s yeah. on, like, live journal. Someone wrote their own Powerpuff Girls fanfic, and this somehow yeah. got on a script. It's really so, weird. Yeah. They just go to but, edgy every time. But see, on that note, actually, okay, so there, there's... There are some kids' things that are serviced by being turned dark and edgy. Like, mm-hmm. some... Oh, you're going to bring up the Billy and Mandy thing, aren't you? Well, no, 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 no. Uh, actually, I was going to bring up, there was a Power Rangers fan film online yeah. a, a, a few years ago that was really good, and it was on the darker, grittier side, but it was great. Yep. Like, that was well, awesome. that, on the action gritty side, not the freaking like, social yeah, yeah, yeah. edgy... Like... But my point was that some things... Gritty and dark serves them well, but Hollywood mm. seems to be under the impression that kids thing plus gritty equals success, and that's not yeah. that that's not how that works. Carte Blanche, Powerpuff Girls is definitely one of those where it does not work. Mm-hmm. Do you think they got that idea from Transformers? Uh, I I mean I think Transformers definitely made the precedent set that it could work. Because whatever your opinion on the on the on the Bayformers films is, that shit made bank. Uh, of course, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like fucking Michael Bay brought in the cash. So to Hollywood, that's a success. So I think that's definitely what established that precedent for studios to keep trying it. Trying to put that formula on different IPs, and it yeah. just doesn't work with. Like, imagine a My Little Pony edgy, like freaking, <laughs> like I'm the blood unicorn, and I don't sit around for anyone's crap. It's like I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I am Twilight te- Sparkle, bitch. Sorry. My- <laughs> Honestly, that sounds great. Uh, my tentative Fuck, optimism is, uh, is, is, is both. Faded and uh, I'm enlightened in the fact that at least they didn't stick to their guns. Yeah. And someone looked at that script and went, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, happening no. A bit. Like, yeah. I, you know, with the Sonic movie, like we've managed to get in the way of that production, too, mm-hmm. to help fix it to become something a little better. Not that that stopped them from hiring all of their or for firing their entire production team. But that's a whole other story. Um, what other news do we got? That's all I have. All right. That was a very solid news segment, by mm-hmm. the way. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was some really good tangents we went on. That, that I was not expecting that to be so thorough. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, if you, you, James, do you mind if I do my news real quick? Go ahead. Okay. So, I have very, very quick ones. Don't worry. So, we're going to get through them really fast. 
Uh, I already mentioned the Dead by Daylight Resident Evil chapter. It's it's the PTB is out, but it's coming out June twelfth. So keep an eye out for that. Um, so the other two things I have to mention are kind of like drama, which isn't really news. So I don't know how you, we all feel about this. If I'm allowed to bring this up to the course, okay, um, court. So. Okay, so Masahiro Ito is the designer on Silent Hill, right? He's the he's the creature oh. um, designer. He handles a lot of things involving Silent Hill. I'm pretty sure he has another thing, like it's art director. I think he fucking directed one. I don't know. But uh-huh. he's really knee-deep in Silent Hill too, okay? And I forget exactly what it was, but a fan messaged him or responded to him on Twitter correcting him on something that he said about the game. Where he's like, oh, in Silent Hill, um, the snow falls like this because Kaufman says this. And then someone was like, "Uh, excuse me, it's not actually snow. It's based on the Centralia, Pennsylvania fire. So that's ash. And he's like, I worked on the game and and I'm an art director. I know it's snow. And he's like, and the guy responds, well, I said apparently, okay, that's why. I didn't say it. And he goes, I don't care. And that's his response. (laughs) And then again, dunk. someone responded some other shit about like this hole is supposed to represent. And he again responded, I don't care. Like he's Just, so over care. it. He, he gets, doesn't want to hear your fan theories. He gets so many fucking fan theories on Silent Hill that it's just, I can only imagine what it must be like to run his Twitter. And then when someone has the audacity to correct him like live in front, he's just like, no, you're wrong. And he's like, well, see, I didn't say that. It was exactly what I thought. He goes, no, I don't care what your explanation is. You're wrong. And it was just such a boss move. I don't even know how to follow that up. Yeah, no, that's it, it's, it's funny as fuck to me. I love it. What else you got, Bone? Yeah, uh, I even made a couple memes on it. I'll be sure to post it on the FanFreak site. <laughs> Check it out on FanFreaks on Facebook. Uh, so the last thing I got is David Cage news. So I don't know <laughs> if anyone here is familiar with David Cage of Quantic Dream fame. Mm-hmm. No. He, he was He's responsible for making the games uh, Heavy Rain, uh, Beyond Two Souls, Be, uh, Detroit Become Human. Okay. A lot of like... Yeah, a lot of like story-based games that are more like about interactive changing. movies is what they really exactly. are. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So, David Cage, he's gotten a lot of credit for making his games very theatrical because that's really the main selling point here, they're interactive movies. And that's cool and all, but until you play them and actually like play them multiple times to see that some of the events that you thought were optional were entirely necessary and still creepy even though Heavy Rain is a big example of this. Like, you start realizing that he has some weird things that he keeps writing into his games. He loves to make women characters, like, constantly assaulted. They don't have any, like, actual arc with that. He just likes to see women in trouble. He makes, he, he does a lot of random shit. So... I I personally am not a big fan of David Cage because I think his games are cheap in that way where you think you have a nice character who's going to have a good arc and then it just stops halfway because he was like, no, I just wanted her naked. That was it. Sorry. And it's like, oh, well, okay. But in any case, he got into a courtroom case because apparently um, Quantic Dream is suing two French newspapers for defaming his company because they said that his company, Quantum Dream, has a bunch of toxic corporate culture which is entirely accurate because he constantly tells people, like, if I don't mesh with you, then I'm not going to work with you. And from a business standpoint, that doesn't really work. And they went through a lot of, like, his his documents on how he fired people, and they're literally copy-pasted. 
Like, you know how when you get fired, they write out a thing? I mean, I'd, I've never been fired, but I'm assuming they write out a thing <laughs> and they fucking, like, tell you, like, this is why we can't hire you. You are leaving this day. Apparently, they just copy-pasted that entire letter for every single person they fired and listed every reason for creative differences. So, the court, looking at that, it's like, hey, it seems as though you just kind of get rid of whoever you don't want, and that's not allowed. So, any explanation for this? The guy turns to the judge and goes, I, I'm not on, like, uh, I'm not under oath, so I can lie, right? Like, he says that. So, oh, like, my God. Oh, oh Jesus. He says that, and the guy, wow. they're like, What? And they, they they also pull up a bunch of things that David Cage has said in, like, public forums. Like, literally, when he's interviewed, a lot of people will mention, like, why do you treat women characters in your game this way? His response is, in any case, in my games, all women are whores. And it's like, well, okay. Uh, and then, Great. on top of that, it's like, you seem to really focus on these characters and, you know, really turn away. And, and there's a, oh my god, he really doesn't treat gay characters very well either. But when asked about that, he goes, here in Quantum Dreams, we do not play games for F-words. Like, this is stuff he said, like, just openly to a bunch of French, like, newspapers. What the and fuck? I, I have to put the word out. Yeah, no, David Cage is a giant scumbag, mm -hmm. and I've been saying this for years. You know what's funny is David Cage is going to come up later on in the episode also. Really? Uh-huh. I'm, oh, I'm definitely bringing him up for the main topic because Heavy Rain is a great example of bad. Oh, of okay, good. So we, we, we got some stuff to talk about then. Good. <laughs> okay, because Heavy Rain is fucking terrible. Anyway, moving on from that, that's all the news I got. Thank you so much for sticking around. Please clap. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, other things that mostly only James cares about. Um, I'm a really big fan of animatronics, uh, specifically Disney's animatronics. Uh, they, they've, you know, they're they're like the leading face in that industry. Um, mm. I've been following this one particular animatronic from its earliest uh, announcement when it was first shown it was literally just this stick that swung on a rope and then the stick at the end of the rope would detach itself and do a few flips before landing on a pre-designated standpoint oh i know what this is as yeah. soon as i saw that stick i went they're making fucking spider-man mm -hmm. that's a fucking spider-man animatronic then they showed the next version of the animatronic which was a full-on humanoid that guess what? When it detaches from the stick, straight up Spidey poses. Or when it detaches from the string, straight up Spidey poses. Like, it's fucking Spider-Man. Well, guess what? Uh, this last weekend, the Avengers compound opened over on Disney West Coast. Nice. And one of the uh, voiced characters is there's an actor there playing uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man. And you see him like on the roof of Avengers Tower. He does some web slinging, goes behind this one wall... And then you see Spider-Man do this big swing and this massive uh, free flip. And that's clearly the animatronic. That's definitely not the actor. Don't get me wrong. It looks smooth. It looks like a guy. But I, it's the same animation from the animatronic I saw earlier. And then the actor appears from around the other wall and proceeds to wall crawl down the wall before interacting with the audience. I think yeah, it's super cool. so cool. It's that's awesome. That's badass, but I've never had an... Uh, an animatronic thrown over my head, so it's I'm not kind really, of like, well, you're, this <laughs> I isn't they throw this, it right. This isn't in a ride, so you're standing like on the front of the building watching this happen, and the flip happens over the building. Okay, 
you I, get I guess me, I'm so just worried with an animatronic moving that much. Like if the line snaps and it just flies into a little kid, like Spider-Man's sure. coming to save. And then just that's it. <laughs> but uh, but again, it's far enough away where like again, it happens at the top of the building. You just see this big oh, okay. swing happen. But it's in you, the Spider-Man animatronic zone. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. If if unlike me, you didn't know about this animatronic, you would fully believe that that's some acrobat they got to do this crazy ass flip. Hmm. It that's looks cool. phenomenal. Uh, I'm super here for it. Um, on well, that's funny because I, I part of my uh, oh on the topic of creators who don't give a fuck what you think. Um, there's a lot of remakes that mm -hmm. make a lot of modernized casting decisions about the race of their cast. Mm -hmm. uh, so apparently, a lot of people <laughs> have been really uh, upset at some of the racial decisions made in Netflix's The Sandman. Mm -hmm. I've never and, heard of the show. Uh, well, it's a, it's a Neil Gaiman comic book that's being turned into a show. And oh, Neil okay. Gaiman actively wants you to know that he doesn't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He, he, no, meaning he doesn't give a fuck if you want to cry because the whole cast isn't white. That doesn't, he could not care less about that. And I'm so here for that energy. Like, I, I love mm. it. Like, that, that, the, I, I fuel myself off racist tears. And it, nothing makes me happier than just racist bitching about shit like that. It's so funny to me. And like apparently there's, there's something to be said for the rock star kind of mentality of I do this. This is my vision. I'm not going to have things change. But when it's actively like offending people like because David, I'm trying to compare this to David Cage, right? It, it's a different it's a far difference between these are my characters and this is how I'm portraying them versus I will never portray characters that you are mentioning because I personally just have a thing against them. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make that clear distinction no, but, here. Right. Right. So but in this case, it's that. In this adaptation, the, the Netflix show, uh, which Neil Gaiman is actively involved in, mm -hmm. the cast mm -hmm. has been updated to be more racially diverse. Good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm very excited about that. And then, like, this is a minor thing, but I think it's very cool. Uh, there's a Red Sonja reboot. Ooh! In the works. Fun. Uh, and... I love this man, so I'm happy to hear this. Apparently, they've offered Sasha Baron Cohen a key role. <laughs> I mean, comedic relief, I'm assuming? I don't think it has to be. Like, he's a legitimately good actor. Like, really no, a good course. actor. I'm just saying, like, when I first bring him to mind, like, he can do serious roles, but, like, I, he's very good at doing know, improv. Sasha Baron Cohen is Borat. That's, that's <laughs> where, yeah. that's his, that's And Bruno... Yeah. And the fucking one of the owners of the house in Les Miserables. Yes, correct. Uh but yeah, uh, I'm 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 uh I think that's that's pretty cool. I, I'm here that's something else that I'm excited to like modernize. I'm so uh, sorry, who's Red Sonia? Like the actress or the actual character? I mean like the actress, like who's playing her? Oh, uh, uh, someone I'm not familiar with. Her name is Hannah John Common. Okay. Uh I'm not hmm. she's not a face I'm familiar with, but what I was going to bring up is um well well actually uh oh actually no i'm so sorry no she's a ghost in ant-man yeah. and the wasp 2 she's amazing she's jill yeah jill in the resident Evil. that's yeah, who's playing jill in the correct. resident evil movie yeah. yes it's yep, jill that what is. that's crazy yeah she's playing red sonia which by the way she's got some melanin in her skin 
So I'm sure some people are going to be upset about that too. But much like Neil Gaiman, they can go fuck themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's interesting that she's getting typecasted in these very, like, strong female roles. Like... Right, I, that's cool. I'm sure I mean, I'm she's just, not complaining. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's you'd, you. There are worse things to be typecasted as. You yeah, know? yeah. It is yeah, interesting because there's a goofiness that's like you know she's like you said she's she's got melanin in her skin which I love but I hate to see typecasting because you know the, uh, I forget the actress names that plays Valkyrie also gets typecast into only being yes. one strong badass type of woman and. Yeah. They excel at it. They're incredible right. to watch. But, you know, you always worry, is this is this the type of role that they only want to be seen at? Is this getting is or is this just, you know, more mm. kind of denoted racism and like, well, you know, if you're not, uh, it's just dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I, I agree. I it could totally be. Get that. And I think it depends note, on the actresses, of course. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, you then you have like Charlize Theron, who is diving headfirst into action. So I just hope everybody's enjoying what they do. <laughs> um, so I actually want to talk about that because, like Charlize Theron, I love that. Like she is now past that age where Hollywood usually says, "Okay, you're going to play either a mother or a witch now." Yeah. Um, mm. And instead, she has gone, "No, fuck you. I'm going to continue to be an action star." Yeah. Like I love that she's Good, like taken yeah. that bull and has like taken control of it. It's like, "No, I'm like fuck you." Yeah, um, but it's incredible. On the topic of updating things, Red Sonja is one of those IPs that could be done very poorly. Yeah. There I mean, is a, it was written in like the 80s, wasn't it? Like, Yeah. And Red Sonja at its core was cheesecake. She was cheesecake as fuck. Like Red Sonja is like if you look up uh, bikini armor in a dictionary, you're going to see Red Sonja. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, James. I've never heard anyone call sex appeal cheesecake. Cheesecake is like when... Is that new? Is this? Am I too old? Did I not no, catch up it's, with this? No, it's quite the opposite. It's actually a, a much older term. It's okay. like a way of saying like fan service, like, like pin, when pin up is very cheesecake. Yeah, exactly. Okay, see, I was like, just like, because I, I, my mind, I think cheesecake, the food, and I'm like, what? Sony has no, cheesecake on like, it. Like what? There's like a soft like, uh, femin- femininity, like you know that yeah. oops face, you know. So if you see pictures of Red Sonia where it's like, oh my goodness, how did I end up in this armor? That's just really diving into that cheesecake, like yeah. silly soft, girl. vulnerable Red yeah. Sonia. Like how the fuck does that work? Yeah, well, there's yeah. plenty of bad art of it. Uh huh. Yeah, there sure is. Alrighty, I think we had a really solid news block. Like, yeah. This was actually informative, unlike other news segments we've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, man, uh, we're, we're, we're not always uh, prepared, but we're always ready to bullshit our way through something. <laughs> 100%. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to go ahead and tackle our topic of when sexy is done right. See you in a bit, freakies. Hey there, this is Jessica Nova of My Geek Glory, the naughty and nerdy corner of the internet. And you are listening to the Fan Freaks podcast. And welcome back, freaks. So, we're here. We're in the meat of the sandwich. We're at the bulk of the thing. We're at our question of the week. When was sexy done right? And what do we mean by that? Uh, I'm sure any number of people in the audience can think of a moment in a video game, a movie, anything, a comic book, where you saw something that was clearly meant to be sexy, whether it's a character's outfit or a sex scene, or the way a character talks, and it just made you go, ooh, yikes. 
This is not that. These are the times that you saw someone write, or that you saw a character presented in a sexy way or participating in a sexy activity and it felt empowered. It felt like it wasn't just put there for I can what we want to know what makes sex work because the idea that characters shouldn't be sexy is silly. Uh, I, I think we can all agree on that. Like real people are sexy. So the idea of characters well, the, not reflecting that. The, the thing is, is just like it's it's much with like other things involving sex. It's a very sensitive thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and just kind of, you know, a lot of authors and writers don't really take the time to, to deal with it in a sensitive way and just kind of have it as a just a thing to throw in there. So we're hoping to kind of separate and really deliberate what makes sex effective mm -hmm. in a narrative. And with that in mind, I'd like to pass the baton over to my friend Nova here uh, to start us off with maybe an example. So I think the first question is, what exactly do we mean when we mean sexy? And I think we can, mm. can and we will take that a whole bunch of different ways through this conversation. <laughs> mm -hmm. But for, for me, I wanted to start with a lady... I can't say her last name, but you know the big oh, bitch. Oh, Dumitres? I'm yeah, Dumitres? The, the big bitch we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> the or as I say, Dumitreska. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. The collective internet. We all lost our mind over this. And what kind of an interesting phenomenon. We're all locked up in our homes, and then we all simultaneously scream, oh, yes, please step on me. <laughs> <laughs> We all exclaim, great character design. <laughs> really quick, yeah. my favorite my favorite like note of that is there was like a sign on like an Arby's like drive-thru window or something that was like, we're very understaffed, please be patient with us. Everyone's at home playing with their vampire lady. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me. Oh, fuck. God. So, she was you were saying, board. Nova. That you were saying? Yeah, so it, that appeals from a design. There's a little bit, I think, of a group collective kink element that we must all simultaneously feel. Uh, mm -hmm. And then it was used to sell us a product where she's not really in it as much as we all kind of thought. So there's... Yeah. Right. It, her design works, but the use of her sex kind of against the consumer sucks ass. So where does that fall? And I think... That's what I'm really interested in discussing with you guys. Was well, how does it work? It's interesting you brought up. You, it's interesting you brought up like it was a design that appealed to so many people. Mm -hmm. And my theory on this is that there are multiple different like what they did is they layered kinks here. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? There's tall. There's like goth vampire. There's just being a dom like woman in general. Uh -huh. Like there's some a lot of things that they are layering on top of each other. And I think that's the the chocolate in my peanut butter kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like it's the perfect combination for this. Even if the character barely shows up in the freaking game. Yeah. So I just want to be clear here. So you're using her as a bad example? No, I'm using her as a, okay. a confusing example because the design yeah. does exactly that. You know, the sex and everything and the design and her power is epic. You know, you can't deny that appeal, but then it was used against the consumer. So what does that make it? Does that make it a good or a bad example? I think I, she's successfully sexy, though, that's because true. It, her design is not necessarily all that there is to her character. She is very, she has her own personality, and the way that they portray her fits within the narrative. Mm -hmm. So, in a design aspect, yes, but because the character never really was intending to have sex in the plot, like she never really needed to, I suppose. Yeah. And but see, like, here's my thing, like, like, okay, as we all know, within. 
microseconds of the game releasing, there were nude mods available. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but that's what, but hold on, let me correct you with that real quick. That's with every Resident Evil release. I, I I know. But Just to be fair. <laughs> we knew it was going to hit Lady D specifically hard. Um, oh, definitely. But, so like, but in addition to like the nude mods, there's also like her in like a lace cat suit mod and uh-huh. like all this other mm-hmm. shit. And I personally think all of those make her less sexy to me. Yeah. I really think they nailed it. I'm not talking about this from how, because yeah, you're right. From a marketing standpoint, it was kind of shitty that they just baited us with like sexy vampire lady only for her. Yeah, That was, they made her seem like she was the main villain of that game with the advertisement, which is not true. When she's not. Instead, it was the other admittedly attractive goth lady. The um, other goth lady that's not yeah. as tall. Right. <laughs> Correct. Um, but I think they really nailed classy and sexy. Because she, despite the fact that she's obviously an evil monster, uh, she has an obvious class to her. Yeah. And how she presents mm. herself, how she well, talks. Th- that's how I brought up earlier. I'm sorry, because when we're talking about a sexy design needs to fit its theme, its yeah. tone, its environment, because you you bring up this, like, you know, a leather corset and, like, I don't know, high heels. It doesn't fit the, like, yeah. the room, the tone of the, the atmosphere of what's going on. It works as an alternate costume if you're just trying to <laughs> fuck around with, like, fun alternate extra whatever. But in terms of it actually portraying the feeling you want of her being sultry... Just putting in something that doesn't fit the atmosphere just completely dismantles that, in my yeah. opinion. And, like, throughout the game, she doesn't do anything inherently sexy. Like, at no mm-hmm. point does she, like... I'm going to use a... Oh, this is, a, this is another example we can talk about. Like, Quiet from Resident Evil 5. Uh, Wait, quiet? <laughs> yeah. From Resident Evil 5? Oh, Resident Evil 5. Metal Gear Solid 5. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was going to say, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. I've got Resi stuck on the brain. Uh, no. Quiet from Resident... From, Died it again from Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, where, like, don't get me wrong, I don't really hate Quiet as a character, but we can, I think most of us who know her can agree that the sex appeal of her is like it's there, it's it's a little cringy. Well, it wouldn't uh, even be that bad if it wasn't for Kojima specifically saying, You will all feel ashamed about your questions. He said that, and it's like, No, our questions were valid, but okay. He he was trying to pass it off like there was any reason for her to be in the bikini other than Kojima being like a creepy, nerdy perv. And that wasn't the case. It was because he was a creepy, nerdy perv. Well, there is a plot reason, but it's not like she couldn't do other things to breathe. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But like, 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 if you took, like, 80% of the way Quiet was presented in that game, I think she'd be a great, sexy character. Yeah. But there's mm. specific things, like her in the helicopter, that was really annoy the fuck out of me. Like, for example, for those of you that don't know, if you have her as your companion in the helicopter, and you turn your view over to her, she, she will then... in your face. <laughs> God, why, Bone? <laughs> no. But what she will do is she will assume one of a series of poses, several of which are just there for the sake of cleavage or butt shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lady D doesn't do that. Like, there's not a scene mm-hmm. in the game where she, like, bends over a desk to talk to Ethan. Yeah. Or, well, like... Out of characterly get posing in something that doesn't yeah. make sense that no one would see her doing. Like, Or her, her clothes don't, like mysteriously rip in a convenient like nothing like that happens instead she just is a tall woman who has attractive qualities 
Uh, and I think that served the character. So to answer your question, Nova, mm-hmm. from a dis- uh, from a production standpoint, I think she was misused. Mm-hmm. Like her sex was definitely used to sell the game. Even like her sex appeal was definitely used to sell the game, even though she's not in I mean, the game. I mean, it was, game a, it was kind of an thought. unintended effect, though, a little bit because they they thought this character was great acted and she'd appeal really well to to buyers. And the thing is, no one realized how much that I, the fans would love her. I don't I think also, they realized. I that. also don't believe that. But do you think they knew? Yeah, I hundred percent think they knew. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, dude, she's such a combination of fetishes. Like, there's no way. Like, she's clearly like the result. No, of, don't, like, don't a get focus me wrong. Group. I still, I still think they thought it would work, but I just didn't think they didn't. Re- I didn't th- think they realized they had such a phenomenon. I on agree. Their hands. Yeah, I, I don't think they knew it was gonna be like a cultural like phenomenon. That's I don't what think, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they knew it was gonna shake society for a minute. Like, I don't think Which they knew it that. Which did though. <laughs> Which it totally did though. So what I was saying was, so maybe from a like marketing standpoint, it's not great. But I mm-hmm. think from a character design standpoint, meaning yeah, that character on her own. I think she's a great use of sexiness and she's sexy without like trying to be like without like going out of her way to be. She just is. And I like she that. She is herself. Yeah. Because um, you like, brought up quiet though. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Finish your, your thought on. No, go sorry. ahead. Okay. Cause you brought up quiet and in the, I, I, you've mentioned that in the story, she's fine. It's mainly because she doesn't say anything. It's, there's nothing to really, uh, critique because she barely can even really be a part of the conversations. But then again, MGSV doesn't have a lot of conversations to begin with. That yeah. aside, there's a raining scene that happens with Quiet. And she just kind of like, you know, she's interacting with the rain and it's her, yeah. she's feeling the rain on her skin for the yeah. first time or whatever. But she feels the need to get on the ground and splay her ass out and oh, do all yeah. these different maneuvers. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you, I could just imagine so, Snake looking her out of the ground like, what are you doing? <laughs> see, here's another. So, like, that scene, though, it follows the math. Because, honestly, I think, like, 80% of that scene is fine. Like, I really like the part well, of that scene. Well, until she dropped on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I like the part of that scene where her and Venom, like, splash water at each other. <laughs> yeah, but see, like, you could do that, that without cute. following it up with that. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so, totally. like, so, so my problem with that, so the, here's a great example of talking about things I don't like, is that there was no narrative reason for her to be sexy there. Yeah, exactly. You, yes. Like, if, you, if, if your character is a stripper and they are being sexy because they're on stage, there is a narrative reason for that. Like, there is a narrative reason for that person to be on that pole doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or but even it, a situation for someone to be sexy, and that yeah. is just not one of them. Like, right. But in this case, this was just a character who was supposedly just enjoying the way that the rain, like, feels against her weird alien mutant skin. Uh, yeah. Not alien, it's mutant skin. Uh, <laughs> but then for some reason, despite the fact that she doesn't have an audience, she doesn't have uh, anyone that she's... She decides to performatively act out her sex appeal. So yeah, that's it's that that is problematic. Like that when you have, like, I'm gonna use the word again. When it's cheesecake that doesn't serve a narrative purpose. All right, that that's it. We're doing hashtag cheesecake for this episode. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Hashtag uh, cheesecake. That is when like there's a part of me that just goes, why? And anytime I'm forced to ask why while consuming media. It breaks your immersion and it doesn't feel good. Like, it's gross. Mm. 
I don't. That I is don't fair. like that. Um, Th- there are characters that that wear their sexuality on their sleeve in a way that that's just how they naturally bring. Like, because you brought up a stripper, and I mean, like, there is that very specific scenario, but there's also just like she feels sexy as she's doing things. And this is where I'm going to bring in one of my favorite characters, Bayonetta, uh-huh. where it's just kind of like she has a very sultry way of doing things. Although I, I want to bring this character to you because I personally think that she's well-designed in that aspect. She's very fun-loving, mm-hmm. but there are many scenes that, like, specifically the camera will just cut to her ass bouncing on something. And you're like, okay, is this, you know, objectifying or is this still part of her kind of, like, you know, having fun with it? Because this isn't something she's aware of. The camera that it's like, you know, oh, my God, we're going to have another episode about diegesis. All right. So <laughs> we know we have a zoom in on our ass, but she doesn't. Right. Right. So what do you guys think about Bayonetta? I love Bayonet- Bayonetta. I think she's mm. a great design of where sexy works and the attitude that they gave her makes her feel like she's the one in control of the sex. Like even though right. even though she might not know you've got to zoom in, it's like she knows you're looking. You know, there's a confidence <laughs> there. It's kind of true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a playback that she's designed so it feels less voyeur and more she might be into, um, she might be into, uh, I can't think what it is, where you're the one being watched. Exhibitionism? Thank you, yeah. Exhibi- yeah that's so it was, feels yeah. almost like you're doing her the favor. She's already into it. And I think that <laughs> uh, that's just her vibe. She doesn't give a fuck. Um, but see, she's, the, I want to contrast that back okay. to Quiet because con- uh, by contrast, Quiet is a soldier. Yeah. And at mm. no point is she like, like, do we get an idea that she has this sexy confidence? Quite the contrary. Yeah. She seems very down to business. Like, she seems or very, like... hardened at Yeah, all. exactly. She's kind of very, like, so, uh, not vulnerable, but she doesn't seem like she's hardened by her yeah. experience at all. And it feels yeah. character-breaking when she does that. Meanwhile, Bayonetta doesn't because it's clearly baked into her. Which and I magic think works. is involved with like wit, and she's a witch. Yeah, she's you know, a it's, witch. it's part of the tone that's also part of it. Yes. Context is important here. Well, and on that note, Nova, I want to ask you specifically, because I am a cis het white male, <laughs> um, and as most of us know, people like me have been in charge of most of our consumed media for the past, you know, hundred years. Yeah. Um, can people like me? Like, for example, let's take Bayonetta, because I honestly don't know a lot about Bayonetta's creative team. No, but I can tell you right now, it's Kamiya's baby. So there's okay. a guy, Hideki Kamiya, he loves her. And he's okay, her. well, there you go. So let's, but let's say as, as part of my hypothetical, let's say ba- there's two alternate universes. One where Bayonetta is made, created by a man, mm-hmm. and one mm-hmm. where Bayonetta is made and created by a woman. Mm-hmm. Does that fact... Everything else about the character is the same. Everything, the, the, the games, every shot, everything is the same. Does that factor affect whether or not they're a good representation of sex? Um, I think it, <clears throat> it kind of depends how you want to use that. If you want to use it as a good represent, representation of like a sexy visual a design that works, this is why it works aesthetically, this is the art behind it, I don't think it matters who creates it there but if you're looking at it is this a representation of sexy that is maybe furthering uh some aspect of growth and how women are seen and how women are treated is it doing any kind of social commentary in a way that Mm -hmm. is empowering at all um 
I think if it was made by a woman, there's probably an undercurrent there where it it has some motivation that might not be there if if a man designed her. Um, okay. I, I was going to say, because James said that, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just kind of intention. And I, I would be hard pressed to think that the intentions and in design wouldn't be different depending on. OK. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I was going to follow up with, because you mentioned that everything would be exactly the same. What if this one aspect was different? Yeah. And I think the point is, is like if it was that different person leading, it wouldn't be exactly the same. But if mm-hmm. it was exactly the same. I guess it really wouldn't matter because it's how we feel about it right now. Mm-hmm. The tone of it. And Bayonetta's features, she's kind of, she's got the longest legs of any character I've ever <laughs> seen to the point where they're like freakish. Like, that's not realistic. There's obviously some sort of suspension of, of disbelief when you're getting into the world and the atmosphere of Bayonetta. Yeah. As she's opposed got, to something more realistic like Metal Gear. She's got like Sailor Moon manga legs. Like mm-hmm. they're like. She does. She really they're like does. 80% of her body length. Yeah. <laughs> so how come uh, Yaoi art has giant hands, but I guess like female manga, like hentai stuff, they have giant legs? What's, what's, what's with proportions? Wait, what? Yeah, that's a thing. And like Bara art, for whatever reason, or no, Yaoi art, not even Bara. Bara, they do chests that are the size of fucking semi-trucks. But um, <laughs> no, like Yaoi art is like, for whatever reason, they love to draw like, imagine your standard ass like, anime protagonist character uh-huh. but their arms are just freakishly long whenever they try to reach for something and like their hands get bigger i don't know what the point is of that oh but it does happen i have no explanation but i feel like <laughs> we're getting away from pictures. the topic yeah i'm gonna show sure. you pictures of dorito face <laughs> what anyway yeah so, don't worry but but back to my point so i feel like a big proponent of whether or not like sexy works for a character or Actually, uh, going back to Nova, you and I are big comic book fans. Right. And there has been, throughout the years, there has been a lot of controversy on the use of, like, sex appeal for female comic book characters. To the point where it's a main plot point in Watchmen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, But, I like, two examples that come to mind immediately are the ever-changing history of Power Girl and her sizable chest uh-huh um and her boot and the and the associated boob window uh by the way for those of you who don't know the history of power girl's chest it literally came down to an artist who felt like he wasn't no one was paying attention to him mm-hmm. so he just decided to slowly increase the size of power girl's chest issue to issue until someone sent, said something to him <laughs> that uh, is fucking hysterical that sounds like a just, prank i'd do and just for the record, it took like three months of like weekly issue prints. God. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, I want to mention really quick my only experience with Power Girl is through Injustice. Because right. she's a skin for, um, I think, for Supergirl. Kara, yeah. For Supergirl, yeah. For, for Supergirl. But it's funny because, like, usually with those skins, they just kind of alter, like, this. it's a skin. It's not really a whole new model, but they actively made her boobs bigger. Yeah. I, I you guess kind that's of, part of it. Like you kind of like part of the meta between Power Girl and Supergirl. Like they discuss it several times in the comic. Is the difference? Um, <laughs> Canon boob sizes. Get with so it, Marvel. I, I want to. Uh, so that example, and then does any? Do you guys remember the Milo Manara Spider Woman cover? No. Oh yes, I do. This is the no. one where the pose she's in is absolutely ridiculous. It's pretty ridiculous. Yes, but. For the record, was it a Liefeld thing? 
no, like no, Milo Minara is a good artist. He really is. I mean, her po- her the her her anatomy in terms of the way her neck is bent is a little weird. It, they always have like rubber backs in yeah, comic yeah, yeah. book. But, like female characters, they have like these very thin. It looks like you could just snap in like two seconds because they're bent weird. But so here's I actually want to talk about that example in particular because here's mm. two things that strike me about that. One is how weird the backlash was because Milo Manara is an adult comic book artist. So it's really weird for people to be surprised that he created an adult-oriented comic book cover. But Oh, I'm dumb. I, I thought you were like, he's an adult comic book artist. I'm like, yeah, I'd imagine no, most are. No, like grown up. Yes, I don't mean that he's <laughs> over 18. I mean that right, he right. frequently publishes in like heavy metal comics and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But more than anything, the pose she was in is not any stranger than the pose Spider-Man is in a lot. Yeah, and I mean, so I, I, I totally did. Like, I don't think the pose is impossible, but look at, like, how her ass is spread. They don't give Spider-Man that gape in his little butt cheeks like that. Ooh, like, lady, I, I, I can totally show you some. This is totally sexed up. I can show you some fucking some Spider-Man butt cheeks, my lady. On, on uh, the like, front page, though, on the front page. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh boy, okay. Fine. Like I, 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 I can show you Spider-Man's whole like, like you can show all, me his whole. What yeah, the fuck? Almost. <laughs> like really, like there's a few shots of Spidey on the cover where he's like swinging towards the quote-unquote camera yeah that it's really just his butt and his junk like in the fuck whatever my point is like so should we should we have different standards for male and female characters despite the fact that they're both wearing costumes that are basically painted on yeah um, if I may, I, I think the answer to that is it again, it feels it feels like a cop out for me to be like, it depends on the character. But okay. it's like you could have each of those extremes for any character. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that's the great part about making a story is that you have a character and then you could swap out the variables to make a unique character. So right. like just to say that men only can have these certain designs and can only go here, that only limits people, I feel. So if someone looks skimpy in a female design, I feel like you could do something similar with a male design. It may not be for the same genre or the same story, but I feel like a- any character can receive any kind of clothing style. It just needs to fit the narrative. That's always been my biggest thing. I think my biggest problem here with some of this was, uh, aside from the cover, which initially, I'll be honest, I didn't care that much. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. But then you have um, Frank Cho, who also kind of was getting attacked around the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there was this fight for, you know, that there shouldn't be censorship on how an artist draws. And there's a point where I like that. See, I don't think it's nearly as bad. Like, if you look at the dip, she's got an inch and a half into her ass comparing the two <laughs> oh, photos that's it. you I sent see me. It. Yeah, like, her ass is spread. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a gap there. There's a huge Rude. gap there. A and that's gap, yeah. it's vulgar. Um, <laughs> but then you have, so that cover aside, Milo drew Frank Cho a photo, or a, like an art piece, that Spider-Woman again kind of leaning over a wall, and it's a very in-depth photo of her mm-hmm. full junk. And this... I think it's disgusting. Like, I get it. This is a character. You're an <laughs> artist. 
um, you know, you're an artist. That's fine. But this is kind of over sexualizing a female body when you are a man and kind of not showing any concern that you were offending female bodied people. And that's really what Mm -hmm. got me here was a total disregard for part of your fan base because you want to shout out about censorship. But women, you know, women that are models that are sex workers can't pose like this on the Internet. Don't come at me with this fighting censorship shit when you only care about your bottom Mm -hmm. line and you're just using a hot word. So I think the cover itself isn't that bad. It's the whole lot of shitty that went with it that makes it disgusting. So if I, I think, may, Doctor, oh, I'm sorry, because I'm seeing yeah. the picture right now, and and if because you said that oh Spider Man, he's he's objectified the same way, and I I'm looking at it right now. There are some clear differences here. Like look at the the hard shading and how like intense the outline is on his muscles. They he looks really masculine. Don't, and then look at and then, exactly, but then look at her. It's much more smoother and realistic with the shading on her well, muscles. That's also a, you know what a, I mean? just an art style difference. But carry on. No, of course, but I'm just saying in terms of of showing like sex appeal, when you have those hard shadows, I feel like it creates a little bit more of an immersion breaking thing with me in terms of sex because I see it more like the blackest part of his outfit, and there's, it kind of dissolves into a bunch of muscles that really don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas hers feels a lot more accurate to an actual female body, aside from her neck, that's weirdly. <laughs> portrayed out like an yeah. ostrich yeah. which i'm like is anyone going to mention the fact that her head looks weird <laughs> no no it, 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 it's a it's a common criticism of, of the piece like that like okay. like people have gone like out of their way to like 3d model like uh like what that pose would look like in real life <laughs> exactly that's that's exactly what i'm thinking it's it's weird i'm trying to think of what like uh animal does that where they like extend their neck to eat and then go a back tortoise. Like a tortoise or something <laughs> yeah. fucking tortoise there you go. so she's even got to got that yeah so the i think that that's that's a valid point is that i think like us as like lovers of this media like mm-hmm. the media can't stand for it on its own like intent and the people behind it have to matter also yeah because yeah i think you're right because i i agree that the cover on its own i don't think it's that problematic um especially given the history of comic books Mm -hmm. i think Uh, it's problematic in the sense that it looks weird and i wouldn't (laughs) say it's front cover material but hey that's just me i guess sure but then yeah when you combine it and honestly frank cho himself was uh part of what like part of what added to the cringe for me but yeah mm-hmm. when you combine it with what uh milo did for for cho mm-hmm. yeah it, it it definitely like even if it wasn't a problem it becomes a problem yeah mm-hmm. because you know when the um, first arguments came out they're like that's not you know an accurate pose the human body can't do that i didn't i didn't need any of that like i'm not looking at comic books to know that my body can recreate every one of these poses <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I wasn't initially phased by it. I think it was the double down, like I said, when it was clear it was offensive, whether right. that was the intent or not, that it's like, OK, well, you know, you're you're you've got to account for the people that you're presenting your art to. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, are we on the topic of cringy directors by chance? Because I'd love to throw <laughs> one into the ring. Sure. OK. Yeah. So we brought him up earlier in the show. Uh, oh. David Cage. <laughs> right. Are we talking I, about I, heavy it, rain? Oh, we're going to talk about Heavy Rain. I have such a stink about this game. I mean, aside from how the game outright lies to you about events that happen in a detective game. Right. Which is really annoying because it's like you're trying to solve a case, but the clues you're given are just wrong. And it's like, why would you do that? 
the unreliable narrator mechanic doesn't work when you're depending on the narration to solve the case. Like, that's not... That's, and that's you're too. swapping between five different narrators. That <laughs> like, too also, yeah. Sorry, but anyway, that aside, yeah, that's a whole other ballgame. But I, I want to bring up Madison because this character, they... I, I feel bad. Like, I've never... I don't know if I've had, like, this feeling where it feels like you look at someone and, like, they don't treat their kid very well and you feel bad for the kid. You're just like, I wish you had a better parent, man, because, like... David Cage does not treat Madison well at all throughout this game. From the moment she's introduced, she's sexually assaulted in her fucking uh, apartment, and then it turns out it was a dream. So she wakes up and goes downstairs and finds out that, oh, hey, I gotta find out about this information from a club owner. So straight after having that freak-out dream, she goes to a nightclub, they turn her down, she has to skimpy her outfit so she can get in, she dances on a stripper pole for 20 minutes for fun, I guess, and I guess that gets the attention of the boss, and then the boss proceeds to sexually assault her in his office, and she gets away from that only to arrive back at her hotel, find Ethan inside her room, and then fucking go, wow, he's hurt. I should have sex with him. What the it's fuck? It's like, what uh -huh. the fuck are you doing with this character? There is no, like, through line from scene to scene. She is literally a woman prop that's in there because David Cage says, well, I need this one sexy aspect in my thing. I like to see my women being accosted. Oh, that does God. it for, I don't know, like, there's moments to throw that plot line in, like, and you can do something, although it's creepy as fuck, but, like, to show that the character has no, like, um, uh, not object permanence, that's babies, but no permanence in terms of, like, what happens to them to be like, yeah, you know, I just got sexually assaulted twice in the span of a week. Why not have a random fling with a guy in a hotel room? And it's merely, it is seriously only in there because Ethan needs a prize, which is so fucking gross. Because mm -hmm. even at, like, even at the end, and this is one of many endings, so you can assume this is something, but, like, even if you fuck up and, and Ethan's kids pass away and he's not able to save them, Madison tries to, to cheer up Ethan. It's like, you know what? Maybe I, we'll make a kid because I guess that's all that women are good for, I guess. And Ethan <laughs> goes, no, thanks. And then he shoots himself. And it's like, did no care put for Madison at all, who's genuinely trying to help here. All that matters is Ethan, the main character. And I'm just saying, I know I kind of went on this huge tirade with Madison, but this no. was me playing no. the game. Like, I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you doing with this character? She's not, and by the way, her getting assaulted in her apartment and that nightmare never explained. It is yeah. literally only in there to see her be assaulted. And it's really fucking gross. So that's why I'm glad this news came out to expose that, yeah, David Cage is like this in real life too. So. And also, right. this is this is neither here nor there. Because you pretty much honestly said everything that I had to say. I know, I kind of went a little ham no, there. Sorry. I'm okay it's... with it. But also, nothing could like make me less invested in a sex scene than making it a quick time scene. Oh like, my what? god. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to press X to thrust. I don't. Oh my it's, it's, god. Yeah. Because every but everything in that game was around that gameplay. Like literally taking a shower was a fucking QTE. Everything yeah. was a QTE in that game. But to not have that foresight or that like kind of um, what's it called? Uh, where you can hold yourself back and be like, let's put it in this too. I'm sure people want to play this. I, I don't know. So I, I want to wrangle, because we, we've kind of gotten into, like, bad examples. And I kind of want to wrangle us back to when it's done right. Because sure, it sure. seems like a big part of this is, A, and I feel like this should be obvious, but, you know, I, I'm you know, it's 2021 and I'm still not surprised by people's stupidity. 
uh, consent matters. Uh, mm, well, yeah. <laughs> and two... Well, because, I'm sorry, B. in most games, it's just consent is is a given, which is so bizarre to me. Right. In Agreed. a lot of... Yeah. And B, uh, I think it's character agency as a whole matters. Mm-hmm. So mostly it's... Like, even if, like, a character is in a game because they're sexy and they're adding sex appeal to a game, that character can still have agency and ownership of their sexiness. And the example mm. I want to bring up is a lot of the women in The Witcher, but in particular, Yennefer. Yeah, I haven't played The Witcher, so I'm actually curious to hear how they handle this. Because yeah. they have a lot of prominent female leads. So first off, uh, one thing to note is that your immediate, uh, a lot of people's immediate response is, oh, but as Geralt, you can go around and just have sex with all the women. And it's, but that's your choice as a character. Yeah. Like your your RPG. You are choosing (laughs) to do that because it is also perfectly viable to just be faithful to one of those women. And as a matter of fact, if you actively try to two-time Yennefer and Triss... They will lure you into a, a into the idea of a threesome and then leave you there and go have like drinks <laughs> together. And I love that. Thanks. I think it's great because you know they it's 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 a nice fuck you. But Yennefer, she is this character who is obviously sexy. She has you know she she has as a matter of fact she has made herself attractive. Um, and her relationship with Geralt, who was admittedly. Uh, genetically engineered horn dog. Uh, she actively maintains control of the relationship, and never once, uh, like, what's the word? Compromises on what she demands, and I mm. love that shit. So much to the point where, like, there's this really weird aspect of hers and Geralt's relationship that it has something to do with a genie's wish. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. It, it happened in Witcher's the, a weird series, man. It I don't is. know what the fuck to expect from this. Like, I hear all sorts of weird shit. Like, yeah, it is. all the fuck. werewolves and the genies and the, you know, astral celestial beings. I'm like, yeah. where the fuck is this game so going? A <laughs> main a main plot point in Witcher three is if you pursue like the romantic aspect of hers and Geralt's relationship, um, is at some point she demands that the two of you go and find a way to break this genie's effect on your lives because the genie has effectively bound them together and that makes her feel like their relationship isn't real or forced yeah okay yeah. i can see that yeah cuz if you have a character who has a significant other you like you it's hard to not approach the princess peach thing of i saved you so now you kiss me like right. reward kind of thing if I, i'm guessing their relationship is much more realistic in that sense uh, agreed, 100%. So I would like to hear other examples from you guys of, like, female characters that have, like, just ownership over their fucking sexiness. Hmm. Um, well, Nova, I'm sorry if, I, if I'm jumping in too many, but no, feel free to interrupt me with yours if you'd like. Uh, I, I, it's not, it's not a, a female character, but I, I'd like Perfect. to bring in, because you brought up consent being a very important thing in, yes. in this, and it's kind of just skimmed over a lot in games which kind of worries me about the people who make them, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um we're going to talk about Dragon Age Inquisition and yes! possibly one of my favorite romance routes of Iron Bull. Oh, I know. Yep, Iron Bull. 
So yes, Iron Bull. Um, so the way that his his romance route starts, and I mean, in the beginning, of course, my first thing is like, well, he's a big guy, and I they never give me a big guy to date. So you know what? He was pretty much a shoe in from the get go. But it's so interesting how he lays out the relationship. He goes, look, I happen to be really into S&M. And in S&M, there's a very important uh, f- focus on consent. So that we can have fun with S&M, just you and I, or we can pursue a relationship. These are two different aspects that we can approach. And I was like, whoa, this is way too realistic for me in a video game. What's happening here? And he, if you do pursue, pursue that relationship, he makes it a point to introduce what the basic tenets of SNM are and how he's introducing you to his kink and how it's not something he just expects you to just understand from the get-go and it becomes something you two share over time. And, and yeah, it, it, that, there is that, that kink focus in the beginning, but it sort of leads into like this sort of dependency where he, he is my dominant and he is my submissive And, like, we are bonded in that sense where you take the sex and make a relationship out of it instead of it just being a cutscene reward. You know what I mean? Like, it was actually, like, I felt like we got something from this sex. Well, that's actually a a, a really uh, valid point to bring up because aside from just people being sexy, there's inherent things that are sexy and fetishes are those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it is an alarming and glaring difference to when a fetish is being portrayed by someone who actually participates in it versus someone who's only heard about it from like <laughs> Tumblr. Mm-hmm. The yeah, exa- yeah, I'm going to use your example of Iron Bull versus let's say, oh, I don't know, 50 shades of gray, if you will. Um, <laughs> okay. Cause you want to talk about a bad example of a portraying a BDSM relationship. That's one hundred percent. And it's just a bad example of sex. So that's not what BDSM is like at all. Right. Well, I mean, at the uh, very least, for least most people. He, he does introduce her. and Because you have to understand, I'm coming from video games. Right. In video games, there's just no fucking buildup. It's, hey, you did the quest, fade to black, here's your sex. You know what I mean? And, like, at least, what's his face? Charles, whatever the fucking guy from... Uh, Sixty Shades of Grey I, is. I don't know. Um, whatever you his added name ten, is. You added ten extra shades of grey, actually. There's a lot of shades of grey <laughs> here. You know what? It's, that's what we're discussing. But he at least tries to introduce. Now, if you're going to go into how he continuously starts dangling the yo-yo over her head, then yeah, then that's a problem, yes. Yeah, like, so I think, like, that is a glaring, especially for any of us who are even remotely into any kind of kink or fetish culture, like it's glaringly obvious when something is being written by someone who actually knows what they're talking about versus Mm. someone who's just like, lol, leathers and whip is sexy. Because to people on the outside, it really seems like uh, being a dom is the same thing as being a, uh, what? oh God, what's it called where you enjoy inflicting pain? Um, Uh, Sadomasochist? Yeah, where they kind of equate the two. Where right. you like you enjoy making people feel pain, that must mean you're into SNM. Even though SNM does involve some aspects of pain, there is a whole bunch of aftercare and communication and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that needs to lead into that. Yeah. As opposed to just straight out being like, Yup, I'm just gonna dominate you, fuck whatever you're gonna say. That just that does that's gross. That's kind of unconsensual. It's just yeah. not a real way of portraying someone who knows that fetish or By that the way, kink. I just want to state this for the record that your Iron Bull uh, BDSM daddy is voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., which I think is hilarious. <laughs> he did a great job. I don't give a fuck. That's he did awesome. a fantastic job. I mean, he does a great job in voice acting as a whole because he's also the voice of, um, oh my God, I can't remember, from, um, 
from one of the Star Wars animated series. Um, oh, Fred from the Scooby Doo live action movie. Oh, well, he's also Fred in the <laughs> Scooby Doo live action movie, actually. Yes. yes. Um, but a Star and he's he's one of the voices in Rebels, and yeah, he does a great job as the voice. But uh, we're getting Ooh. I'm getting away from the point again. Uh, yeah. So I think like that for me especially, like because like I want to mention like Ivy for example from Soul Calibur. She okay. has a whip, and her whole like I guess shtick is that yeah, she's whipping you with the whip, but I don't really think that factors into her sex play. I think that's her battle style. So I just, I, I really get confused because fighting games will do this a lot where they'll have an SNM themed fighter, uh-huh. but it's like, it's just those those topic, uh, those surface level observations that we were mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. Like they, they categorize them as like, oh, I just love inflicting pain. And it's like, no real Dom is going to approach you like that. And yeah. if they do, run the fuck away. Cause that's not right. <laughs> yeah. It, I was going to say, it's, it's always interesting to figure out if they understand it or they do, like you said, just kind of go for the base, understanding the stereotype and, you know, it doesn't make interesting gameplay if they're all very flat. So it's worth the research. Mm. It's just it's interesting that that's something that gets overlooked so often. And it it Absolutely. really does. Mm-hmm. It really does get overlooked a lot. Um, and to be fair, it's all I don't want to say it's fairly new, but the Internet and how much communication people are talking like things are getting better. It's just we had such a long period of people not understanding kinks at all and just kind of showing them in the most worst light sometimes. By the way, just for the record, one of my favorite fighting game characters in fetish wear, BDSM wear, is uh, Valdo. I knew you were going to bring up Valdo. <laughs> Valdo's so fucking cool. He was the first character that made me think about that. You know what I mean? Because I was a kid. I'm like, why is this guy moving like this? And then, <laughs> boom, the internet answers so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, w- I-, I would really love there to be like some kind of study on... like. On average, oh. how many uh, how many fetishes were awakened in people by an innocent internet search? <laughs> actually, real quick, you brought up Valdo. He actually works. I, I thought about it in his backstory. He's mm-hmm. actually a submissive in yeah. his story. He's yes. submissive to his master, and that's part of his character, hence why it's part of his fight. This is the proper way to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I never even thought about that. Yeah, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, hence why he's Valdo my favorite. Is a positive, yeah, Valdo is a positive example on this show. <laughs> uh-huh. Who would have um, thought? So, uh, any other quick topics? I have one to mention really quick because we were talking about... Um, what was that The female Spider-Man character's name? Spider-Woman? It, was it really just Spider-Woman? Yes, that's just Spider-Woman. <laughs> Jesus Christ, okay. Spider-Woman, like... Look, man, we video games up. are not very... Or not video games, comic books are not very, like creative no, with female versions of heroes okay video <laughs> games are not creative either because then you just have link dark link nest darkness yeah like I, I get you but what i'm going to bring up because rob liefeld is another very prolific artist and bringing that picture up reminded me of a picture i saw of captain america where his chest is kind of like i don't know if there's some sort of tumor or or some growth or something i'm not sure what's going on there and it's a great example of what, what I was bringing up before, where, like, maybe the aspect was to show how manly he is, like, that sh- that kind of sexual aspect of him, but it's immediately ripped away from me by the sheer inability of this fucking bone structure. Yeah, uh, he wouldn't be able to put his own shirt or, like, scratch his back in any way that would be effective. Yeah. I don't think he could he, wipe he, his he own ass. No, he can't scratch <laughs> the oh, other side of his chest. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> 
And that's the like, thing. It's not like he's got like overproportionate features to be overly sexy. This is bordering on like abomination territory where this isn't un this is uncanny valley body model. This like, is a, oh, yeah, it's a fucking sure. health risk. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is. Uh, it but is a I concern. <laughs> I, I love, though, the duality of uh, Liefeld in nerd culture because, uh, yes, he gave us body horror like this Captain America shot. But that's right, motherfuckers. He also gave everyone Deadpool, which, I mean, yeah. whatever your opinion on Deadpool is, Deadpool is a cultural phenomenon in and of himself. God. So, All like, right. So he can make good characters. He just, you know, doesn't draw very well. And, yeah. <laughs> that's just... and yeah, the motherfucker <laughs> will hide his feet behind anything he can because he can't draw feet either. Well, he can't draw God. anything. But he in particular can't draw feet. Uh, Let's talk does about... Does anyone else have any... Yeah, yeah, go yeah De Sorry. Deadpool being sex positive, we could talk about the movie and talk about times that sexy worked, you know, and, and was mm. super positive in the film. <laughs> Happy International Women's Day? Yeah, well, and just all over, you know, here's a couple having no. sex. He's very comfortable in himself. You know, she is not being submissive in every, you know, in every scene. I thought it was... Very interesting to tackle. And well, no. Let, yeah. Let's start talk about how the movie starts. Because the movie starts with him taking a pro bono job mm -hmm. for a girl who's being harassed by a guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, one of, my, one of my favorite examples for a switcheroo in a movie. Because we're all obviously thinking that he's there for the dude who he's harassing. Uh -huh. But in reality, he's there for the delivery dude, yeah. which is a great twist for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he starts off. With like, on a on a just a mission to drill the concept of consent and no means no mm -hmm. into this guy, into this kid, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so Deadpool absolutely sex positive. Yeah. he's a great um, example of a sex positive character. As someone who's a dude who enjoys dudes, I, I also kind of want to mention I appreciate the fact that when he does show interest in other male characters, he doesn't randomly turn fey or something. Like he's still oh. his personality. Yeah. yeah. Because that happens in some other medias where it's just like, oh, I'm gay now, so then I must have this specific way of acting. Whereas Deadpool, he had a personality, and then you discovered he also finds men attractive, uh -huh. but then never overwrote his personality. Right. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to mention because I loved every single dig at Colossus, and I was like, "Bro, me too, <laughs> me too." Uh, okay. Uh, and I, but also, we are also only just getting good like lesbian relationships in media i'd say in the past maybe seven years i think mm. um talking about lesbian relationships one more positive example that still had plenty of its own issues was uh willow and tara from buffy and yes, the, yes. I, you know joss whedon's kind of a fuck all and can fuck off in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. but correct ways that they chose to handle not being able to show them have sex but being able to show them be intimate and they did right. that through magic and i know that was one of the first times i was exposed to lesbians in media in a way that didn't feel like oh i if my parents caught me watching this it would look really inappropriate and to, right touch on a female well, relationship of, grounded in feminine softness was, of course because yeah. you grew up with the american mm -hmm. sailor moon which decided to overwrite that little plot uh, point <laughs> which luckily i already knew because i'm a sailor moon fucking addict and i had yeah. figures <laughs> when they had the wrong names before they sold companies <laughs> but yeah uh, uh -huh. some people this had to grow up thinking they were fucking cousins <laughs> that's yeah. right 
<laughs> nope. Which, uh, made it I fucking mean, worse. That made it worse because they. <laughs> oh yeah, they, it absolutely makes it worse. God, they didn't edit it well to hide the fact. So then it was just uncomfortable. Like, why are these cousins? This they were close. cousins with banjo music in the background. Yeah, well. yeah well, I, dude, I was just about to work in the South as a joke. Fuck you. All right, fine. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, well, Willow. See, here's the thing though, uh, because Willow and Tara. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Their sex was their passion was presented through magic, and it was great. But one of the things I honestly kind of appreciate is I feel like very often, like same sex relationships are kind of kept in this bubble of perfection. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. they're kind of forced to exist as like, oh no, there can't be any problems in this relationship. But that's not real. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. same-sex relationships have problems. And they did. They had a major problem, which was mostly Willow's issue with consent. Uh, I'm not a not, big fan not, of Shameless, se- but not I think Shameless consent. does a good job with that too, actually. Which one's Shameless? Um, it's a TV show, and they have they have gay characters, and like they're in a relationship, but they obviously have problems. It's it's a real relationship, as opposed to as you're saying, just kind of this like, no, they have to be perfectly together, otherwise we don't right. have that token here, you know? Like, Shit's Creek also handles their gay relationships or in their pansexual relationships very well. Yes, yes, they fucking do. <laughs> uh, and it's a perfect example of like. When does it serve the character versus serving either a stereotype or, or some yeah. weird fetishization? Yeah. Exactly. Because, like, right off the top of my head, let's go back to video games really quick. I'm actually going to bring it back to Mass Effect. I knew you were, I was actually <laughs> going to bring it up if you didn't. Yes, bring this up, please. I actually think Mass Effect does a pretty good job with its relationships. Some. Uh, some. Some. Well, Yes. Okay, well, I'd like to talk, but like, for example, I like the fact that there's some characters, even like, there's some characters who are just straight up uh, heterosexual, some characters who are straight homosexual, and some characters who are down for whatever, and there's varying degrees of that. Like, for example, in the case of Liara, she is an option available to both a male shepherd and a female shepherd, but... It's literally treated the same way, whether you're male shepherd or female shepherd. Like the relationship happens with the equal amount of like trust and understanding. I really like that. And yeah, another character it's, it's, I like I like a lot is Jack. There it is. Okay. Jack paints. Uh, you have the opportunity to paint a really ugly example of sex in this game through the means of Jack, because Jack is a character who has experienced a lot of trauma in her life. And when you first meet her, she kind of uses sex as an outlet for that trauma. And as but, but Shepard, hang oh, on, sorry, hang on. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Shepard, you are presented an option. You are presented to either A, take advantage of that trauma and have sex with her, or B, uh, actually form a relationship with her. And then have sex with her. Actually, you don't. Uh, in uh, Mass Effect Two, there's no actual sex scene with uh, with uh, Jack. If you choose, there's a scene where you guys oh. like make out and lay in bed together while she cuddles you, uh, but you never actually see them do like lead up to sex. Versus, but, but here's 
but uh, but like here's the important part is that the game when you go through that first interaction where she's using it as an outlet and you right. can take advantage of that the game rightly punishes you for that mm-hmm. in the sense that that locks off the romance route for you you took advantage of her and she doesn't want to go any further and the game supports that and in fact uh- enforces that as a matter of fact, when you go down to the to the storage area where she likes to hang out, uh, you can no longer even initiate dialogue with you. She just yells you yells at you and tells you to fuck off. That's awesome. Uh, Good. Which is, that's what. Yeah. yeah. Which is it's great. showing the effects of sex as opposed to just a result of it and exactly. actually bringing it into the narrative. Which yeah, is the very game the game didn't doesn't re- exactly you, you did bring up a point that I kind of gloss over. The game doesn't reward your bad behavior. You mm-hmm. can 100% take advantage of her trauma, but if you do, the game and like actively informs you you had the freedom to make that choice, but she also has the freedom to tell you to go fuck yourself now. Which and is if you want to make awesome. an argument of like, oh, well, then why would the game give me an option only for me to get punished for it? And I would respond with Renegade much? Yeah, exactly. The whole exactly. point of this game is a whole like law versus chaos system, so like yeah. that factors into that. Yeah, so, you yeah. chose to be an asshole. Like and you, you treated like an asshole. <laughs> you you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. Like that's that's exactly, exactly what, what you get. So two Bioware's uh benefit uh, to their I mean we we've actually talked about Bioware a lot in a positive aspect here. It seems yeah. like there's at least a a portion of their production staff who kind of gets the idea of, you know, that sex is more than just Something to someone who gives a shit, yeah, like gives a shit as opposed to just like here's your reward as limp as it is. Here you are, (laughs) because ultimately, like the thing is, the Iron Bull sex scenes were so much more effective for me, uh, aside from fucking my personal taste. But Uh like because there was a lot of groundwork leading up to that. It wasn't just like, because again, people talk about romance routes, and it really all it comes down to is just talking to them every single time you're done with a mission. Right. But Iron Bulls legitimately needed you to make the right conversation choices. Same thing with Jack. So like, if they give a shit, it matters. Yeah, it does matter. It adds to the story element. Mm-hmm. And it makes so, you yeah. want to date different people on different routes mm-hmm. instead of them all being the same Mass yeah. Effect. But... <laughs> But so here's the thing, like, I, so all three of us seem to be in in agreement here that it's so much better when 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 like clearly whoever produced this gives a fuck, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at least sets up groundwork because I feel like gives a fuck can be misconstrued in so many different ways. But like, it's someone who literally will take the time to build the groundwork for them to include sex. If you're just including sex as an afterthought, it should probably not be in your story. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I agree, hundred percent. But but that's because sex shouldn't be treated. Now that's not to say that you can't just have wanton sex with strangers. That's fine. Well, I mean, laser shoot, laser shoot, Larry. Yeah. Like that's totally fine. <laughs> it's part of the theme. It's the atmosphere. It's the tone. But, but that's just it. Is it that needs to like that can't just be like the sex like sex. Sex doesn't work well when it's just sex for the sake of like appealing to gratification. Um, yeah. Yeah. For the sake of yeah. appealing to a portion of an audience. Instead, I think it becomes more appealing to an audience when the sex carries some kind of weight. Or the sexiness just with, carries some kind of weight. Just the same with any other like plot aspect. If it doesn't carry weight, why is it in your story? Mm-hmm. 
speak I have Just, kind I of uh, kind of a culmination of some of these thoughts. So we talked a little bit earlier about how sex can be used. We were talking about lesbians at the time, but it can be used to appeal to your male audience. And I think a good example of that is the character Kirk in Star Trek, the original series. He gets all these okay. women. Oh, yes. So you have this character is kind of, man. yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> running around. And then you have this moment where he and Uhura kiss. And it's not the first interracial kiss. You know, it's not even technically the first one in Star Trek, but it's the big one. And it was done as a, as a statement. And so what do you think about when a show or a property has sex kind of as filler content and then it uses that those same characters and suddenly makes a point with it do you think that they are jarring to the audience do you think that that works because uhura the character itself is a strong great example of sexy and powerful and also kind of mm-hmm. done as a fuck you you know because mm-hmm. the, oh, yeah. the world was not uh in the best place yeah at man that point. fucking yes. stupid <laughs> uh-huh. yeah yeah, it, very... yeah. So I think that that's an interesting tactic that I think a, a lot a lot of different properties could maybe benefit from. But well, I, yeah, I what, think what one of the think? biggest points about Ahura is that she's one of the main characters. Yeah, like she's not just a side romance plot for Kirk. No, she is already an existing major player in the fucking show. Mm-hmm. So for them to have a thing together, it kind of because again though. Kirk is, you bring up a good point. Kirk is a ladies' man. Like, he's always a man's man and a ladies' man at the mm-hmm. same time. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> he's going around. There's a ton of aliens that he's banging left and right. But Ahura has never been in that kind of tone. She's always been very professional. She's always been very smart. You you go to her when you actually want something to get done. And she's not really one to be kind of vapid in that sense. So for her to have a romance thing with Kirk without changing her identity is very important there. Because I could easily see them being like, what? Oh, she's the new Kirk interest? Well, put her in a skimpy nightgown and we'll keep rolling with her. You know what I mean? Like, no, they actually kept her her. So. Okay. Yeah. It was made in the 60s, by the way, not the 1940s. Well, whatever, bro. That's my old voice. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> That's my producer voice. <laughs> That's not something I've ever really given a whole lot of thought to, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to think of other examples of that. So basically what you're getting at is where a, 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 some form of media presents what is, you know, just eye candy sexualization. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To only then flip the script on us. I'm trying to think of other examples because I more... Wa- oh, I want to bring up Twin Peaks. <laughs> Please, do. I've never seen Twin Peaks. So I, yeah, I don't neither know. have I. Okay, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Lynch guy. I mean, I, I love I love him. But I mean, Twin Peaks, uh, okay. they're the main, the main, well, main character, the main figure or centerpiece is Laura Palmer. And the whole entire show is trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer. So in the way that she's talked about... It's it's like oh she does all these dangerous things she's very you know um you know uh very out there with how what she does sexually she does it very um sketchy I guess is the word I'd use to describe mm-hmm. um she doesn't take care of herself she does a bunch of drugs and you hear about all these sleazy aspects about her but as the show goes on and you talk to people in the town and as Cooper is getting to know the people who live in the town you find out that she was no she was actually extremely supportive and there was this whole other side to her that they've completely flipped what you thought was going to be a generic ass like victim of a fucking uh, police crime drama show or whatever like a throwaway corpse she actually was a person and you learn about her post-mortem it's very interesting okay Hmm. does that work yeah 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 okay 
Because like, because that's an example. Because in the beginning, they write, they kind of everyone writes her off as being like, oh, she probably got herself into trouble. She used to to hook up at this random sleazy bar all the time. So whatever. But the plot actually turns that around and shows you she was a person under huh. that. Twin Peaks is awesome. Yeah. I mean, season two <laughs> sucks, but. <laughs> So uh, I actually just thought, and funny enough, in Mass Effect again, uh, and this is, I'm sorry, I, I, Nova, I will get back to your topic, but really fine. quickly, Mass Effect has another example of like, if you choose to be a horn dog, it's going to bite you in the ass. Uh, mm. Because the, in Mass Effect 2, they introduced these two characters, Morinth and Samara. So Morinth and Samara... Uh, Samara is introduced as this older Asari character. She's nearing her matriarch years, which is she's close to a thousand years old. But she has a mission. She's searching for someone. Uh, this someone is something known as an Ardot Yakshi, which is a genetic defect in her people, where the mental bond they form with people becomes addictive and lethal. So she's actually out there killing people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so which which is a blight to her culture. So she's out there to kill her. Um, you eventually find out that that's her daughter. The person who is the Ardat Yakshi is her daughter. But you are then presented with an option. Option. So once Samara uh, uh, approaches her, her and some, her and Morinth fight, and basically you're presented with the option of staying loyal to Samara and defeating her daughter, or her daughter is like, I can show you things you've never imagined, and I can more than accurately pretend to be her. So help me kill her instead. Yeah. Nah. For switcheroo. Uh, yeah, and you can do that. You can absolutely choose to go with Morinth. And Morinth then assumes her mother's identity and takes the place on your ship. And like any other crew member, you can go and talk to her in between missions. But do you know what happens when you take the romance option with Morinth? Hmm. You fucking die. <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean, and to be fair, they set it up throughout the entirety yeah. loyal, entire loyal, loyalty mission. Like, if you have sex with her, the pussy is poison. Do yeah. not approach that. And you then, like, if you just choose die. to do it anyway, the game, like, that's what's so great about Mass Effect 2, though. They knew what the player was going to do and decided to work it into an interesting gameplay aspect. Yes. So, that's and, cool. And vice versa, if you choose to stay loyal to Morinth, you actually have the, or to Samara, you have the option to like flirt with Samara and she appreciates your advancements, but mm. she's not really interested. Where she has a code and like her job matters more to her than Shepard's peen. Um, and not but, many things do, by the way, in that game. That's Just fair. Saying. <laughs> so I, I want to distill this down to like to, to, to our core points here because mm -hmm. I, I think we're getting to about to a point where we need to get there. Uh, oh, you don't want hey. me to bring up The Sims? Oh. That was my last example, and that's a fucking... I don't even know. That's a whole other way of handling it, but if you want to end it here, we can. No, so The Sims is an interesting topic because The Sims puts it all in your hands. Yeah. That's correct. That's what I love about it. I think The Sims was the first game I ever played with a homosexual relationship or something that I could pursue in that regard. And the fact that it lets you be the one, and it's not like it's when you make a character, they have an option, you know, for their orientation or something. It's up to the player, because you know what? Sexuality is a gradient. Some days you're interested in this, later on you might find you're interested in this. So it's not like it's, you know, it's a little bit more fluid in that aspect. And in The Sims, you could truly make anyone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's were, such 
was same-sex couples possible since Sims 1? Yes. Yes. Really? I know that for a fact because it was so scandalous to me. I had to fucking look over my shoulder when playing. I'm I didn't so want my surprised. Okay. I know, right? And that's why I was like, holy shit. This, yeah. this is real. This is how people are. So. That's it. That was it. With the okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I dig it. Um, yeah, I do too. So. I, I want to get down to, to so let, let's distill this down to our main points. Major points, yes. So through this topic, and I'm going to start, let's start back at the beginning. Nova, mm-hmm. give me like a bullet point of what you think makes sex work in media. I think it has to be more than any one part. I think it needs de- it needs attention in detail to be sexy. Yes, yes. Uh, two... Like actual consent matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like really, really. Like yeah. It like, look. I'm a I'm a huge sci-fi nerd, and there is there are there is a movie that has a very important place in the cyberpunk mythos, but undeniably, try watching Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner today, and yeah. tell me that scene with Rachel doesn't make you want to gouge your eyes out. Yep, it fucking hurts. It's weird. It, It's super weird. It's uncomfortable. Like, it, it's gross. It is actively gross. But at the time, for some reason, the people that were in charge of that shit didn't blink an eye on that. Yep. Like, mm. how Like how did that get past? And I'm going to admit, and, and I will openly admit, that probably my first few watchings of that when I was, I don't know, a teenager... I probably wasn't as aware of how fucking gross that was. Yeah. Because it it comes across, like, because it it, it ties into that old cliche of, you know, no means yes. Yeah. But just for the record, no. (laughs) Yeah, no means fuck off. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think. So, yeah. uh, You you make a really interesting, well, let me, let that. I'm going to let you finish your thought, and then I have a thought no, about consent. No, please, go ahead. <laughs> no, by all means, please, please, please. Uh, I think it's interesting you bring up consent, mostly because I think they they have it in their minds that we don't want to see that, that it's not sexy to watch, and that's 100% not what we as consumers and fans want to see. We want that representation mm-hmm. of consent because it also gives the viewer a little bit of permission to watch whatever's going on and not feel mm-hmm. strange about it, and it's also reminding that lesson that people need and that maybe they are not aware that it is as important as it is and if we could put that in our media in a way that's digestible maybe we'd have some less problems with people understanding it (laughs) like especially in video games as i mentioned earlier it's just kind of like thrown in there not really the consent is is sort of a given in video games it's so bizarre where like you can do something for someone and then that just means that well of course they're gonna have sex with you and that's not how real life works so it kind of gives this bad interaction for the player who thinks that i can do that in real life like if i could talk to a girl i could do something for her and be like well now we're together now and it's like no that's not how real life is no yeah Right, and here's the thing, though, that I want to piggyback off that, because my addition to our little uh, list of important features is tone, because I feel mm-hmm. like there's a time and a place and a, an atmosphere mm-hmm. for that kind of design and, and sexuality in general, and it's it could come in all different gradients depending on what game you're producing. I also want to mention freaking, um, because uh, as 
relating to tone is quiet for example we brought her up earlier where that game is very much it's stylized but it's still kind of realistic in the sense mm-hmm. that like it's it's not um cell shaded or cartoon like it, it's got more of a real military yeah. aesthetic to it no, it's so when you have this, like a realistic military setting with yeah. like sci-fi elements for sure there are weird things and that's why i was kind of backtracking a little bit but it, it's still presented in a kind of realistic way so then you have quiet hopping in here with an outfit like that and you're like uh, she's totally fine to wear that but it just this doesn't fit the tone of what I'm playing mm-hmm. where if I'm playing Oni Chibara and it's just random girls in fucking swimsuits chopping at zombies it's campy so it fits the tone and I want to say for the record there I, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that nah. like I know we that bring in Bayonetta me, from earlier. Yeah. I'm sorry for Bayonetta. She her tone is a little bit not. It's a little cartoonish. It's a little bit out there. It's mm-hmm. not realistic in any way. So it fits that sort of design. Yeah. So that that's my addition is tone. Like I can't speak to the feminine experience because the feminine experience in America and the world is obviously vastly different from mine. Um, hmm. But I like to feel sexy. Like there's cool. moments where like where I like to feel confident. Yeah. And I imagine the same is true for women. Uh, yeah, for everybody. So, everybody yeah. feels that way. I mean, shit, I've got a whole book right here of clearly, <laughs> like, you know, I, and I'm not going to say that, but my point is that I've got a whole a, bo- a whole book here of women who are sexy and comfortable in it. And mm. it's great. And I like to feel that too. And I think that is important, but that can be presented. Like, you can just have characters who just, like want to be sexy because real people are like that. Yeah, but intent- as a fellow, as a fellow fan of like two uh, thousands emo music jams, you and I <laughs> both know the sheer sexy feel of wearing a, sh- a shirt that's too tight. <laughs> you put on a shirt and you're like, wow, you know this really does accentuate my my pectorals here. So don't even talk to me that that's something only for women. Everybody no. feels that shit. I I agree, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And but and I and characters are allowed to express that. But again, it's intent and tone that matters that can right. that has to be like it has to be Built obvious up. that it's yeah that 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 that's that that's innate to the character and not innate to the creator's desire to create pornography and as i said before if sex is an afterthought for your piece you probably shouldn't include it yep you gotta build it up yeah yeah i think that okay. that's, that's that's a great point is exactly that like if you're going to if if you're going to include a topic as sensitive intri- as sensitive intrinsically tied and, and honestly personal. complex as mm-hmm. sex sex appeal and sexual relationship put in the fucking time don't make it don't make it a sticker you slap on the box 100% yeah. my dude 100% I, I love that very much agreed well, right. uh, Nova, I want to say thank you so much for jumping on the show with us. We've been recording these long-ass shows recently, so thank uh-huh. you for being an absolute <laughs> trooper and sticking with us here. Thank you. I had a marvelous time. Thank you for having me so much. Was that, was uh, that a pun? Marvelous time? <laughs> we did bring up a couple Marvel characters. Oh. I'm just saying, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm convinced that George's entire brain just works through the lens of puns. <laughs> so even when things aren't puns, he perceives them as such. I hear so, echoes of a pun alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh, wow. Uh, 
So, uh, for those of you listening, Freakies, I want you to go ahead and tweet at us at our Twitter handle, F-A-N-F-R-E-E-K-S, if you can think of any other examples of sex used positively in media. Because I'm going to be honest with you, we covered a lot of comics and video games and some shows, but there's books and lots of media out there that we didn't get into. We'd love oh, to yeah. hear from you. Uh, you Most can also definitely. find us on, uh, on the Fan Freaks Facebook group if you want to have a discussion about it. And you can find us all on our individual social medias. I am at Dr. That's DR, Rude MD. And I am at Bone King TV, um, also on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, the same name. You can and our lovely guest. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at the Jessica Nova. You can catch me pretty often over on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash mygeekglory. And if you want to grab that awesome book, you can do it at mygeekglory.bigcartel.com or check us out on mygeekglory.com. I mean, like, I feel like it should sell itself, you know? <laughs> like, this is just premium material here. That I can like... attest, like, I can personally attest that the girls in this book are real as fuck, and some <laughs> of them will kick your ass in video games. Uh, Damn 100%. Right. Uh, that being said, I, I would like to take this part of the show to go ahead and reach out to some people that we know for a fact support the show. I want to reach out outs. to all my... Hun- yeah, our shout-outs, exactly. I want to reach out to my hunt boys, Jeff, Justin, uh, Dante, Scott, uh, all the people, all the freakies online, my sister Cheyenne. Thank you guys so much for listening. Boner... Bone King, shout out to your boners. Wow, just straight up. Look, I know I'm the boner king, but you can't just straight up call me boner. Like, my nickname <laughs> no, no, no. is boner. They are, they are your boners. No, well, well that's an interesting name. Uh, all right, so here are my shout outs, or my boners, as I guess uh, Dr. Root is solidifying. <laughs> I established this on your now. stream. I guess I'm going to have to make new roles. Everyone mm-hmm. is just going to be a boner now on yes. the Twitch stream. <laughs> uh, in any case, here are my shout-outs. We've got Von Condersmite, Beefy Sumo, Squinty, Screechy Kai, Lindsay Misleading, Azumi Chenmaru, CJ to DJ, and Boogle. Nova, do you have anyone you'd like to shout-out? Hey, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We appreciate you. There you go. You know, that's an interesting thing. We thank everybody that reaches out to us. We haven't actually actively thanked the listener that's actively <laughs> listening. <laughs> So yeah, thank you, listener. We appreciate you. Well, freaks, make sure you tune into us next time. And once again, thank you so guys for listening. Later. I am freaking hot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>